listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, Chris Russell, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. It is Thursday. One more day to the big day of Friday, Alex, but we're getting close to the weekend. But we've got another day of jam-packed information and guests right here locally on Wake Up Springfield. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, people. What's up? It's Thursday. Thunder yeah, Thursday. That's right. Don said the Cardinals hit four home runs against the number one team in Major League Baseball on the news just now. They how, did. How is that possible? Why are we hitting the ball now? I don't know, because it's been a rough year, but the Cardinals are getting well against uh, one of the best teams out there, the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, they had four home runs yesterday, four home runs the day before. So this may bode well for Adam Wainwright tonight. Let's hope so. Oh, Hopefully oh, he can get number 199 oh, tonight. Wayne. And he can't get 200 till he gets number 199. Well, yeah. these guys hit four home runs yesterday and last night, or two days in a row. And then why couldn't Adam Wainwright been on the mound in one know. of those games? Okay, Don, is he going to get to 200? Yes or no? Uh yes, I hope is so. that the heart? Probably the last, probably the last game he pitches this season. He'll get there, oh, wow. but he'll get there. So he's got to get there on this one. He's got to get the one ninety nine. He really needs this one. We do have yeah. uh, a lot to get to today. You're going to want to stick around. We've got a lot of good guests today. You, can I tell you something What's else? That, you know? Yeah, like before you even get there, no, I, I gotta got to tell you something crazy. What's that, man? Last night, I like woke up in the middle of the night with like a crazy thought. And by the middle of the night, I'm an old man, so you know that like means like ten o'clock. Yeah, you know, eleven o'clock when I have to wake okay. up for the first pee. You know, <laughs> so, uh, guys, you don't know nothing about that. Well, you're pregnant, baby. Uh, you do. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I do. <laughs> okay, but it was a weird thought, though. I was like, I wonder if they caught that prisoner. You know, the guy, the um, what's there's his? A, yeah, Mer- Mer- there's a couple of them running around now. Well, is there a couple? Like, I'm talking about the one up in Pennsylvania. What's Danello? De- Cavacante or whatever. He's been running around for like five, six, seven yes. days. Oh, and they said he's, they don't think he's left the perimeter. I know. So I was like, just like a crazy thought. Like, did they catch him? Like, in, like, in a no. rational thought, like, is he, is he around us? <laughs> so you started getting worried about it. I did. I was, cause you know, my, we went to, you know, basketball. My wife and daughter got home late. They went to Taco Bell and I, I usually like to lock up the house, you know, and it was just an irrational thought. Like, did they catch that guy? I got to check my door. And I didn't get up to check my door because I was tired. But I was like, and it, so it turns out, I looked it up this morning, and they showed a video of how he escaped. I know. That's Spider-Man crazy. style. I know. That was crazy. He did that easy. He like he like shimmied up a wall like, you know, but, but arms. He, and, yeah, but he was horizontal between yeah. two walls, and he was climbing up. At, impressive. It was. You'd have to check out that video. I but thought the same here's thing. Here's the thing. He escaped using the same route as another inmate who broke out of that same prison in May. Oh. You would have thought that maybe <laughs> they would have done something about that. that I mean, if that, people, that, that's just yeah. common sense. Anyway, so sorry about that. Chris. You're, no. you're trying to go into what we're having, but I, no. I just, it's an irrational thought. I had it. It was like, you know, those moments of pain. It's like, what, 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 did they catch that guy? Yeah. And it's in Pennsylvania and we're here in Missouri. Like he's only traveled, what, like five or six, seven miles. Like he just keeps going around in circles up there, but nice. still they've been canceling school and everything hiding somewhere uh no you're gonna want to stay tuned all day today if you're just joining us uh of course you know we've got great great guests we've got the international spy dakota woods gonna be on kirk elmquist from the branson tourism talking about the partnership with the kansas city chiefs and how that impacts our local economic development uh larry woods the office of emergency management here in green county he's going to be with us as well plus least of these director christy carter from christian county she's got some updates on a annual event that happens each and every year so she'll be a guest in the studio plus all the hits of the day alex there's a lot going on including 
I don't know if you saw this video or not, but I, just recently we had um, there was a Russian attack in Ukraine, and there's very explicit video of this missile coming down on this uh, busy street, and you can literally see people walking in the street right where the missile hits and really does some serious damage, including taking out some some residents there in Ukraine. I don't know. Did you did you happen to catch that I on the video? Not. You did not. Nope. Yeah, it, it, it's very it's very vivid, actually. And the crazy thing is, is I think, Alex, that this is an counteroffensive to State Anthony, uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken going over yesterday and actually was on the grounds in Ukraine offering Kiev support. And he was there and offering about another billion dollars in assistance to the Ukrainian um, government. And then all of a sudden, Putin sends a missile. It's crazy, dude. Yeah. It's kind of sad, man. I, I, it's just still shocking how long this war is going on and how on the national stage people are lining up on one side or the other. I mean, um, you look at Kim Jong-un of um, mm-hmm. North Korea mm-hmm. who's going over to meet with Putin um, just to kind of talk about how they can give them some arms and so on and so forth. And just how on the on the world stage, how it's lining up, people now like Iran um, – you know, are lining up with them. Um, even India, for example, India's taken like a, they're not wanting to call out Russia on a national stage. You want to know why? Because they, before the invasion, India, that big old country, I mean, what they have a, a billion people, I think, mm-hmm. India, they, they used to get 1% of their popular, or 1% of their oil from Russia. Now they get 40% of hmm. it from them. They're, so, wanting, I mean, they're wanting to change their name. Do you hear that? I did not hear yeah, that. Yeah, the uh, president or minister, prime minister of India is wanting to go back to a, an original, like, thousands of years ago a saint chris a saint chris san i'm gonna say that wrong anyway an ancient name that they use b-a-h-a-r-a-t barat of some sort and i I thought well if they actually change that name and go back to that ancient name does that make it no more indian food it's barat food maybe maybe maybe. well hey they're lining up zelensky story i mean think about that alex i mean i understand if you're going to go in a battle with somebody you know you know, attacking the front, attacking where the troops are, but when you are sending a missile into the middle, middle of a city street and 16 people are either killed or wounded, and one of them was a child, it went right into a part of town that had markets and shops and a pharmacy, and that's that's terrorism, man. Man, that you, we have war, like international war rules, and you're not supposed to target civilians. No. And it sounds like that is like hospitals. You're not supposed to target. Yeah. But, um, that's sad. I think you're right. They're probably trying to send a message. Yeah. What that is. So, Hey, what about, um, this game tonight? You watching it? You mean the Kansas city chefs? Little football game. Is that one guy going to play that? Uh, he's like an all pro tight end. Uh, Don Luzader. So here's the deal. Kel, Travis Kelsey, you know, suffered a hyperextended knee. We talked about that yesterday. He is still listed as questionable. The next update on his status will be at 5.50 p.m. today when the game day inactives announcements uh, take place. Uh, so we won't really know much more until right before game time today. I can tell you a quick stat here, though. Patrick Mahomes has been dominant in season openers. He's thrown for 18 touchdowns in the five season openers that he's played in with no interceptions. And the most important statistic of all is that Mahomes is undefeated in those five season opening games. Kansas City is the only team in the NFL to own a 5-0 and record in week one matchups 
since 2018. Very impressive. Don just jinxed Patrick Mahomes. I probably did. He gave him the Madden curse. Uh, <laughs> gave... I, you know what? I want to know, though. Let's let's go to an expert to see who they think is going to win. Cass? <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> uh, Cass, you get 20 points. Oh, my goodness, Cass. You yeah, said I was going to ask her, so you get 20 points if you can tell me who the Chiefs are playing tonight. <laughs> Do you not really She's know, not Cass? not going to be able to. I actually don't know who the Chiefs are playing tonight, but I did know that Travis Kelsey had a knee problem because I saw it on my social media feed, so that wow. gives me one point. I'm okay. impressed. And Cass, as a, as a, you know, a family Bears fan, because your dad was, you did know <laughs> that the Bears are going to beat up on the Packers at 325 this Sunday. You knew that, right? Sure. Yeah. See, yeah, I Cass totally knows about, knew that. She knows that special stuff. Yeah. Um, it is It is the kickoff for Happy NFL. the NFL. Yeah. It's exciting. And uh, I had my um, a final fantasy draft this week, and, and I'm done with that. I, I, I'm I I'm not doing it. Three leagues is a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot. I, I just got to I've always you. done two. My kids draw me into another one. They want to do the family league. As my youngest son got a little bit older and he wanted to be in a league and so they're like come on dad let's do another one and so we pulled in some family friends cousins and stuff but three's a lot i don't know i mean there's at least in some of these apps nowadays you can just say auto pick you know and you can do things yeah. like that it makes it a little bit easier but uh it is a lot but it is fun to watch the nfl and, and of course this is the time of the year lots of football lots of fall activities and i was thinking today you know it is the kickoff to the nfl which is a, a great american sport it, it it was invented here it's been played here we dominate football all across the world is the one sport that that nobody's probably ever going to be able to compete with the united states of america football teams we that is the one sport too when you say world champions we are the world champions when you win the super bowl i mean some people argue that when you win the NBA, there's other leagues in the across the country. Same thing with hockey, but at least in football, you can say when you win the Super Bowl. So, in honor of kickoff, and always, always, and who cares what happened a few years ago with the kneel, kneel down thing? One of the great traditions of any football game across America is the playing of our national anthem. and you see. And bright stars through the perilous fight. Oh, the ramparts we walked were so
You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, Chris Russell, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen-Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Well, some breaking news, people. President Biden lies. (laughs) We talked about this the other day about how the Washington Post and the New York Times are now starting to say, well, he's not necessarily, you know, truthful or he misspoke or, you know, they're using words, but they're not, they're not calling it official lies, Chris, but it's what it is. I mean, Donald Trump, they used to give him four Pinocchios. You had Glenn Kessler from the Washington Post that loved to fact check him. And I think at one time they, they, you know, counted a thousand lies that, you know, President Biden or President Trump had said and, you know, just little stuff. Some of their opinions, things are just maybe misspoke or whatever, but they don't, they don't say that about President Biden. He, he has gaffes or he misspoke or whatever. And, and, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt if you want. And I'll tell you, I think part of this stems from it's hard to hide it anymore. You know, I know we, we joke with you a little bit, me and Cass do about, you know, TikToks and reels and those kind of things. And it's not something that you typically jump on that much, but if you do look at those, Cass, I see memes on there all the time, them showing uh, people going on there, and they do these videos where it shows President Biden, they'll show a video of him making a lie, and then they're sitting there pointing at it or doing funny things. You've seen those, right, Cass, where they do those kind of deals where they show the, the different um, the videos, and yeah. they and you can't hide from it. So they're sitting there going, and then the people are fact-checking him. So it's not yeah. necessarily tr- um, CNN or the Wall Street Journal or any of these other organizations. So because the American people are doing their homework and research and they are making these videos themselves because of the technology that's available, it's hard to hide from it. That's good. So they have to admit it. And I love that the young people are doing that. And, and, you know, and by young, it's not just young people, dude. Who's on TikTok? I'm telling you, it's all age classes. Like, What's it like? People our age? Are they yes, on absolutely. I wonder yeah. what dudes our age are on TikTok. I'm telling you, it's it's all over the place. You'll see people in there, and and ladies, ladies. Like I watched one the other day going after Kamala, and then she gets I, on there, and I'm not. Oh, I got to be careful here because it's be, a lot more popular than you think. Yeah. Really, okay, so now I'm a little bit scared because is the story changing from Biden's lies to our dudes on TikTok? I mean, I don't no, know. no, no. Alex, like I, I hate I to break it to you, but like. You're I'm actually old. in the wrong. Honestly. I'm old. Hey, I, I admit I can't be wrong. I don't go on it, so I don't know. It's, it's probably right now the most utilized, maybe besides Facebook still, which maybe really? holds on by a thread. TikTok's probably the number one utilized social media platform. I thought in Instagram the world. was no. And okay. here and here's the deal about that too is that and again this is going along with your story. Okay, I really it really truly is yeah. because the American people are able to go find these clips whether it's through. Instagram or YouTube or Facebook, they're able to download them and save them to their phones or iPhones or their droids or whatever it is. And then the technology is so easy for people to be able to take that video and then have a video of themselves narrating it or doing something at the same time. And then they're, they'll do like a pre video and they'll say, did you see what Biden said the other day or whatever? And then they'll come in and say, you know, play the clip and then they're t- pointing at it. And then they're showing the clip where he contradicted himself. So, I mean, okay. uh, it's, it's, I think that's why the mainstream media has to say, well, we better address this yeah, some way. Yeah. How do you spell TikTok? First of all, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing this on Facebook. You should throw um, it on our Facebook. I want to see what dudes are. I believe you guys. Cause we know that I'm not 
the most. I'm, I'm an old man. I'll admit it. I mean, I you're am, not that much older than me. I know, dude. but I'm I'm like old in heart. You know what I'm saying? I'm an old I'm an old soul. I'm 49 years old. How I'm are 51. You? Let's see, we're right there, Respect man. Respect your elders, bro. Whatever, Respect man. your elders. All right. So, but anyway, I'm putting that on my Facebook. Find me. I'm saying who's on TikTok? Are there any men? But let me just get back to this thing. All right. Yes. Biden sorry. has been caught in some whoppers, and it's time to start calling them out. There, they are lies. And and I I wanted to say this because after Glenn Kessler wrote his book about Trump. Just flat out lies. Calling them this flat. This disrespectful. I mean, I, for our elderly, for our respected people, we want to kind of give them the deference of saying, well, maybe they just misspoke, overlooked something, because you want, you don't want to demean the office of the president. But now it's time, isn't it? If they're talking about it on TikTok, the TikTok, you don't stop. That's what I think of when I think of TikTok. <laughs> but so let me just give you a couple of them, okay? Because the Washington Post would normally give out four Pinocchios. Like one Pinocchio is like, ah, oh, well, mm-hmm, you just mm-hmm. two, three. This is four Pinocchios. We all know what Pinocchios. First one is this. Somebody just needs to call it out. Biden said that he graduated at the top of his law school. And do we got an no. ant buzzer? Cast, give uh, me something. I do. Give me something give me. like I do. When I give it, you give the ant. Biden said he graduated at the top of the law school class. And oh, oh yeah, it. there we go. She's on it. There we go. Okay, here's another one. Biden said that he got arrested in South Africa when he tried to um, visit Nelson Mandela lie okay here's another one so you know biden talks about being on the amtrak and how he mm-hmm. you know rides the amtrak because he's a common man just like you know the average person the average worker and he has a fondness for amtrak right so so but he said that there's a conductor named angelo negri yeah, i guess he's an italian guy he grabbed him um and he was the first to congratulate him for reaching one million miles ridden with amtrak so you know biden finally reached this mark in 2015 while he's the vice president however Negri retired in 1993 and he actually died in 2014. So Biden lied about his friendship with a dead man and that he congratulated him for reaching a million miles. How are you going to lie on a dead man? I mean, that's just bad. Is it? I, I see you shaking your head, Chris. Explain what's in your mind. Well, right what's in my mind, and you've got several <laughs> other examples here of, of him lying. And we, we, we know that this has been a problem with him for a long time. And again, and I think, a lot of these are uh, the, the top of his law school. That one came out what three or four years ago, I think. That yeah. came out in some of the earlier. But that, even, even yeah, 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 yeah. But the, some of these latest ones that we're starting to hear, and some of these different stories about even how his son died and those kind of things. Yeah. I, I think it's beginning to be a, a situation where I think he wants to tell these stories. He doesn't have the mental capacity to get them out correctly, and his absent mind fills in the blanks to make it make sense in the moment that he's in, whether he's telling about a story or he's talking about his cat and uh, yeah. his his vintage you know, Corvette being almost burned up in a fire as he's addressing people who lost everything in Maui. I think that's the story. Okay, so and, and I, I'm going to say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree a little bit because – I want to, at first, I think a lot of us want to go there because if somebody's lying because they're getting dementia, it's like, oh, okay, you know, they're just, they just, they're older now and they just don't, we give them a little bit of a grace. They're old. There was a Seinfeld episode. He's old. He doesn't know anything. It was his uncle stealing a book from the library. And we go, ahead. <laughs> okay, I, I was late to the Seinfeld game. It's all right. I worked, I, but I like Seinfeld, but I, I was late. So, but anyway, um, so yeah, what, so, what's your thoughts? Then? My, what do you think? I, I think that these are just flat out lies. He's been telling them for long. I mean, you know, he lied about um, presenting his uncle with a purple heart. You know, you know, he said when he was vice president, his uncle died in 1999. He knew he was vice president from 2009 to 2017. 
I mean, he, he said that he convinced Strom Thurmond to vote for yeah. the Civil Rights Act. We talked about that the other day. And that was completely a lie. Completely a lie. He was only 21 when the Civil Rights Act passed. Strom, Strom Thurmond never voted for it, and Strom died 40 years later. Then, of course, um, I know, you know, I never know anything about, you know, my son's overseas business dealings. Flat out lie. The, the House Oversight Committee published a report in August outlining um, the 16 times Biden lied about this. 16 times he lied. So it's not an old man like, ah, oh, he just doesn't know. He's just a flat out liar. He's been doing it from the beginning and he's doing it now. All right, coming up on 6 o'clock, great 6 o'clock hour. Stay tuned to Wake Up Springfield. After the hail comes to a halt, your first priority is to dial Dale's Roofing, the name our community has counted on for roofing repairs for years. After a storm, Dale's will check for damage right away, some damage you may never even see for years. And at that point, it's too late to file an insurance claim. Dale's does free inspections, emergency repairs, and will recommend permanent repairs too. Let the fly-by-night roofing company fill that number two role so easily it's not going to be Mike Pence because Mike Pence is about as interesting as vanilla. It's time for today's top three. Aho, KWTO, away. Attention. One. Attention, all you bargain hunters out there who love to go to auctions and find the deals. Well, Guess what? After attempting to return items to their owners to no avail, Missouri will once again host its unclaimed property auction. But here's the catch, Alex and Cass and Don. you got to go all the way down to Cape Girardeau to do this. In honor of the late Bob Barker, Missouri Treasurer Vivek Malik used the iconic phrase from television game show The Price is Right to encourage Missourians to come on down because he's from the southeast area he's have that he's gonna have this auction down in cape gerardo but he so went to school here he should have had it in springfield uh, dude I, I wish because i'm telling more you convenient i actually looked at the items uh by the way that auction is taking place on september the 27th and 28th very good and there are some some pretty cool stuff uh there's a bunch of junk too by the way but i saw a bunch of coins silver certificates i saw baseball cards including a hank aaron autograph card some stan musical mm-hmm. stuff so you can go to the Missouri's Treasurer website, see the list, see if it's worth it for you to drive all the way down to Cape Toronto coming up September the 27th and 28th. Two. Well, President Joe Biden's 2024 early prediction polling numbers are among among black and Hispanic Democrats are the worst since 1984. Any Democrat has not had this poor polling numbers for uh, any, you know, if for black and Hispanic Democrats since 1984. That's saying something because, I mean, usually, Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, but usually black and Hispanic voters tend to be the highest approval ratings for any Democrat. Absolutely. But the last know. 70 years, they have been. Three. Well, um, Donald Trump said he absolutely plans to testify in the federal government's case against him regarding the classified documents he removed from the White House. I'm allowed to do whatever I want. I'm allowed to do whatever I did. <laughs> that was a terrible Trump. That was horrible. Who was but that? Who was that? I mean, hey, guys. Give me, sounds, give me some slack gonna, over here. I know Come what that on. sounded like. Let me think on that first. Back second. to the story, people. But so when asked directly if he instructed someone to move boxes, Trump said, I don't talk about anything. You know, You know why? Because I'm allowed to do whatever I want. I come under the Presidential Records Act. I'm telling you, at trial, I'll testify. I have one question for all of you. 
Is that a, a boss response or a soft response? Chris? Boss. Boss. Cass? Soft. Cass said Mikey. But anyway, the man is the man. <laughs> D- Donald Trump can do whatever he likes. Word. I like to be different. Don't ever do that again. Oh, man. So anyway, speaking of legal troubles, this is, I mean, this broke overnight. Hunter Biden's going to be indicted. Yeah. But on on what? The the gun gun, charge. Yeah, but it's it's because something didn't go through or something, right? Well, remember, okay, so here's what happened. Remember, he had the plea deal that he's supposed to do, what, about a month ago, and it fell apart because the judge, the federal judge, started asking questions like, wait a minute, is this immunity for life from everything? Like, is this just the gun charge? That federal judge started asking questions. So it fell apart right there in the court. And so then Hunter Biden's team, like, well, we're going to pull our deal. And then they came out a week later and said, if you try to indict him on, when they had the special counsel that, you know, the, the Senate started, or excuse me, the House Intel Committee started to put pressure on them, James Comer, and started asking these questions. And so then they came out with, Hey, if you try to get Hunter on anything else, we're going to call Joe Biden in to testify as well, trying to say, oh, we're going to make this a bigger deal. And if we go down, you go down, Department of Justice, because they've all been covering. That's that's literally what's been happening. So now, after that, um, the Department of Justice, they um, um, appointed special counsel David Weiss. We've been covering this all along. We've been talking mm-hmm. about this story mm-hmm. all along the way. And they put him in. He is an inside guy. He's had connections with um, Bo Biden. So David Weiss is not impartial in any way. He's inside the Department of Justice. How is he going to be a special counsel? Uh, That's not going to be fair. So now, just last night, he announced, hey, by the end of the month, I'm going to indict Hunter Biden on a federal gun charge. We don't know what. We don't know what charges or how many, but um, that's the deal. And so this all comes from when he lied about being sober, his sobriety, in a 2018 when he was buying a gun it's unpunishable up for 10 years in prison and so um yeah it's unclear what charges you know but you know i can just see how it went down you know i can see how there you know you can see the um weiss is going hey listen guys you're hanging me out to dry i gotta charge him with something what will the president allow me to charge him with yeah and the statute of limitations is kicking in on some of these charges in october so that's why time is of the essence so crazy stuff but this means that joe biden you know because if you know the if comer and the house intel committee had their way this is just the start of it and i mean but you know Hunter biden's going to be while, while joe's campaigning hunter biden's going to be in court i mean could this be the start of something fresh and new for um for joe biden will he be entangled in a trial while he's campaigning i don't think so i mean yes technically yes but at this point i think it's it's the beginnings to the end you think they're just going to i don't how's the guy going to campaign how's he going to go and testify how does he have the mental con, you know consciousness to do that i just don't know how that's going to happen yeah i mean you know i, I can't wait to get um, at, at what point can they declare him mentally unfit to to do that i they mean can't do that though because if you declare him mentally unfit to testify then that his presidency is over that second. Yes, you know, I know. what I mean. So we're you gonna, know, we, we're but, gonna, we're going to talk about that later this morning you, about why Kamala says she's ready to go and and this incident that happened yesterday with that uh, Medal of Honor ceremony. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, it's all coming down the pipeline. Do you remember that movie during COVID, the conservatorship, where like um, 
it's like old people where they put them in nursing homes against their will and stuff like that. I didn't like, see that. No. That's, that's during COVID. I remember watching that stupid movie. But I don't even remember <laughs> the name of it. But anyway, that's that's kind of what you're, you're alluding to, Chris. You're saying they're going to put him under conservatorship and take away all of his rights, his presidency, and everything like that, like they're trying to do a Diane Feinstein or whatever. Yeah. We'll have the Free Joe movement. You know. Free Joe. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. You know, a lot of stuff happening with this Hunter Biden deal. And, again, at the same time, the House Intel Committee, um, Comer, they're after it, man. They're they're trying to go after him. They're trying to call in Merrick Garland, the FBI. They're saying they're covering for him. Um, you know, it, it's getting crazy. And so, and we would have never known this stuff had the whistleblowers not come forward. So, stay tuned. Yep. Hey, coming up at 635, Alex has been doing some investigative reporting on an incident that happened in Columbus, Ohio, over the shooting of a 21-year-old pregnant mom. And he's going to have that story. Plus, coming up next, I'm always talking about the crazy, crazy lawmakers in California. But for once, I want to praise the lawmakers in Huntington Beach, California. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Well, we do have road work, road work this morning along uh, Battlefield Road and Highway 65. The uh, exit was closed this morning as I was coming in on uh, northbound Highway 65 at the Battlefield Road exit. You could not get off of 65 onto Battlefield. However, uh, that work is taking place between 8 p.m. and 93.3 and AM 560. The biggest thing is an escalation of rhetoric. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, Chris Russell, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Not going to be rainy, but it sounds like it is going to be sunny and uh, also hazy today here in the Ozarks. Jeff from AccuWeather, good morning. Well, good morning. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Uh, you mentioned this yesterday, but I guess it's uh, going to definitely be an issue today uh, a little bit. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the haze from the Canadian wildfires. Yeah, it is definitely making its way down. Uh, good news is with that, uh, there's no air quality alerts yet. Uh, hoping that it doesn't get that bad, but there is that potential. Right now, the further south the uh, air quality alerts have gotten is uh, Nebraska. Nothing in Kansas or Missouri right now. So that's the good news. But, yes, it's going to be hazy. It's going to be a little bit smoky at the surface, too. So there could be a slight reduction in the air quality, but not a terrible, you know, it's not going to hit that, you know, unhealthy level. And will you actually, you'll smell the smoke, too, won't you? Every now and then, yes. Yeah. Like I said, it's close enough to the surface. So if you smell it, that that is already an indication of the fact that uh, it is at the surface. Wow, very good. So uh, so that's going to be uh, going on through today. Do you think that will linger into uh, tomorrow? or It improves tomorrow, but it still could be around. And then it looks much better as we head into the weekend. All right, very good. So let's talk about uh, what we can expect uh, temperature-wise and uh, any precipitation over the next couple of days. Well, today, nothing. So we got a beautiful day in store, minus the fact that it smells like smoke and has hazy skies. 
the temperature is going to be comfortable at 87. Overnight low 62 with some uh, showers and thunderstorms pushing through late and then into the morning hours. Not expected to be severe. Most of that's going to be uh, into Oklahoma. That's where the marginal risk is. Uh, once we get, uh, get out of those, we'll see the sunshine again tomorrow with a high of 86. Again, there could be a little bit of haze left over, but it should be improving throughout the day. And then the weekend, very nice. We got two days of sunshine, temperatures 84 to 85. So really can't complain about that. And then uh, even uh, cooler temperatures uh, next week. Tell us about that. Indeed, we got cooler temperatures, as you just alluded to. We got a cloudy start Monday, giving way to some showers. And that will continue overnight into Tuesday. And then um, it will be more spotty in the afternoon. High Monday, 80 degrees. And then 74 for Tuesday. Wednesday, middle of the next work week, staying at 74 with a blue sky. All right. Uh, A little early hint of fall as we are still uh, a few weeks out from officially having fall here in the Ozarks. And as we look exactly. ahead, as we look ahead uh, to the middle of September, I know the National Weather Service came out with a report this morning that said that it looks like we'll have, uh, let's see, oh, I think they said uh, maybe a bit in their 8 to 14-day outlook, they said that we're looking for favored below normal temperatures and near normal to slightly below normal precipitation. Uh, is that similar to what you're seeing or what are you looking at for very, the very similar yes yeah. so uh continuing on into you know next work the next week thursday is expected to barely even reach the uh 80s we'll be you know we're still going to see the temperatures in mid 70s there's spots in oklahoma that'll be in the 60s for high temperatures uh continuing on to the friday now we see a brief uptick upper 70s and uh, by the weekend, this is next weekend, mm-hmm. could be seeing low 80s once again. So we'll keep an eye on that. But overall, the average is 85. So if we're yeah. in the 70s and low 80s, indeed. Below average. That's right. Jeff, not a bad forecast overall. We'll keep an eye on that haze today and check in with you again tomorrow. All righty. Sounds good. You take care. All right. Very good. Jeff from AccuWeather with the latest forecast. And, guys, if you do have plans for this weekend, the weekend after Labor Day, uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty nice. Yeah. Did he say rain on Monday? I was a little bit. Yeah, we got a little oh, bit. I need a lot of rain on Monday. Okay. Um, you know, I'm always talking about the crazy lawmakers in California. And yesterday we outlined a plan. That, well, we, me and Alex had a discussion about 10 ways that we call it the democratic pandemic about how they're going to do whatever they have to do to try to make sure they secure the 2024 election. And step two of that was COVID-19. COVID-19. It's back. Wait, wait, I'm going to do my Don voice. COVID-19 is back. You know, you don't need me. You guys have a decent enough voice <laughs> to take care of this. <laughs> no. Uh, but here's, here's some good news. Good news. I, I, I'm trying, I'm, I'm just hoping that there's some common sense coming out of California. But have you guys, has it, I've been here. Have you ever been to Huntington Beach, California? Yeah, yeah I have. It's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. Oh, I mean, no doubt. Dude, I, I, I was there for a conference one time. I was too. And, yeah. <laughs> And, and it, like every week night or something during the summer, they have these downtown festivals going on where they have like these big farmers market, but they're not like, I mean, they're cool little festivals, live music happening and all these kind of things. And I'm thinking, you know, Huntington Beach came out this week and they voted on Wednesday. They said they voted four to three, the city council did, to ban COVID-19 mask and vaccine mandates amid mounting pressure. Hear that? Amid mounting pressure to return to pandemic policies because... What we don't see, 
because we're right here in in Springfield, Missouri, and we're kind of protected in the Midwest. But we're seeing a lot of pressure on the East and West Coast to really begin to push those same policies that we saw coming in March, April, May of 2020. And I'm going to guess that Huntington Beach went, you know what, this is crazy because they, they recorded a saying, it's the city hall and other parts of the city in 2021 unnecessarily limited the freedoms of the citizens of Huntington Beach, even those who were not around anyone who tested positive for COVID-19 or at risk of any exposure. So they're like, okay, you know what, you shut down our tourism. This is how we make our, our lives, you know, through conferences and through people visiting our cities, especially during the summer months and even even a little bit in the in the spring and fall. It can get a little chilly there in Huntington Beach in the in the wintertime. But and, and they're like, you know what, we can't do this to our businesses and our organizations again. We we gotta figure out a way that we're not gonna shut this down. Now, ultimately you never know what you know, your your buddy Gavin Newsom, don't you like Gavin as as the Democrat candidate for two thousand twenty four, Alex? I think you're pulling for him. I'm not gonna joke about that anymore because yesterday Don was quite confused when I joked about the view. (laughs) (laughs) I was. (laughs) We know you're not a closet fan or something. (laughs) That was funny. No, you're not a fan, but you you really think that if if the Democrats do do something with Biden that you think that he may he may be the one that steps up. I definitely do. But even in other parts of California like Hollywood movie studio Lionsgate this week asked its employees in Santa Monica California to wear masks on certain office floors. We're yep. seeing this in New York, um, in upstate medical university in New York announced last week that it's making similar mandates to two of its hospitals. You talked about a school yesterday and a kindergarten class that is requiring mask mandates. Yeah, that's so, in Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. That was in Maryland. So we're talking east and west coast, but at least finally, finally we're seeing one city, at least for now in California, Huntington Beach, California. That is saying, hey, no to mask mandates. I'm going to say this, Chris. If you ever look at the um, the map of the counties, the red and blue map, Republican versus Democrat, California is an extremely red state. Most of that state is. It's just the populations with the big cities. They are the ones that that carry it to be you know blue. It's, it's the same with Missouri. You got Kansas City and St. Louis. You know they're blue. Now we're we're pretty much a red state, but. Those, those, those dense populations. Like I have a lot of friends that live in California that pastor out there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're like, man, our area is a conservative. We don't like this craziness. I talked to a lot of them at this pastor's conference I went to, um, back in the, over the summer in Columbus, Ohio. They're like, man, it's good to be around some, you know, conservative people because it's just too much craziness. They don't like the direction their state's going. But, but yet that state's always yeah, blue. and you and you look at a lot of the growth that we've had in the Ozarks and basically Missouri, Southwest Missouri, and a lot of these people are coming from those conservative areas that are in California, Arizona, you know, Nevada is another one, um, Oregon, Washington. I mean, all those states that you know they have those big population centers like Portland, Oregon. Right? We know how messed up that is. But other parts of Port or Oregon are actually are a very conservative. A lot, a lot of outdoor people, a lot yeah. of hunters. And, but, uh, you know, and Huntington Beach is one of those, which, by the way, I just made me think of it. You know, one time we went out there and I was the very first time I ever been to California and I had to, I went out a day early because I'd never been, right? And I had rented a car and went down that PCH, the Pacific Coast Highway. And I got to tell you, man, that was a neat, neat experience. And uh, I did come across a town called Seal Beach. Have you ever been to Seal Beach, Alex? Never. Oh, dude, it's just right up the road from Huntington Beach. And it's like this little... It, it is a tourist, a tourist place, but not really. It's more like it's like, hey, this is where the locals go, you know. And when you, when you find that kind of a place in a, in a place like California, you know, you're you're kind of doing good. It's kind of, you got lucky, is what I did. But Huntington Beach is where we stayed, and I'm glad to see that they are at least taking a stance and saying, okay, we can't do this 
to our community again. And that's the big, the biggest yeah. impact on these mask mandates, not just the health risks. And yes, I do believe it's part of the big plan of scaring everybody to death about, or at least those who believe it, that this is coming back. You better lock in place. You better start thinking about your mail-in ballots. We're not going to get, be able to get Biden out there on the campaign trail. That's, that's the big story here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just, to, I just hope we continue to fight it. I got one little thing that yeah. I just looked it up. Um, Huntington Beach is in Orange County. And they are 33% Democrat, 33% Republican, and about third undecided. So it can go either way. It's a, and, it's and, a purple, purple county. Yeah. And so, I mean, right there, common sense is prevailing. Good yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. While we're still on COVID, really quick, I have mm-hmm. a couple quick facts to throw out at you. Yeah. So do either of you remember there being a problem with COVID-19 as we started this year? No. No. Okay. In De- At the end of December of last year, early this year, early January, we were having on average in our country around 77,000 cases of COVID-19. We got down to, oh, approximately eight, 9,000 uh, this spring, maybe even a little bit lower than that. Right now, the highest numbers we've experienced has been 25,000. So everything's relative. Yeah. 25,000 cases, yes, that's more than we had this spring and early summer but it's a lot less than we had early this year and, and we don't remember i'm talking about and it. We, they weren't talking they about weren't it talking then. about it then somebody yeah. take twenty five thousand divided by eight million what percentage is that that's a furlough <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna bad cast you're the producer <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> i draw the line at that. math i draw the line at math well, our protest coming to Columbus, Ohio. Alex Bryant has that story next, right here on Wake Up Springfield. 93.3 and AM 560, KWTO News. KWTO News time is 6.30 in Springfield. We have fair skies and 60 degrees. A cool start to the morning. Sunshine today, 87 for a high. Watch out for that widespread haze. You heard Jeff from AccuWeather talking about it from the Canadian wildfire smoke. It will be filtering into our area today from the north and northwest. It's expected to become heavier throughout the day and remain through the evening hours. No air quality alerts. However, children and the elderly should take care when outdoors today. Two business, two people have been arrested in Laclede County for stealing copper wires from a business in Dallas County. Laclede County Sheriff's Office says Jason Gurer of Waynesville and LaDonna Barker from Lebanon are facing burglary, stealing, and property theft charges. Those suspects allegedly tore the copper wires from the walls and ceiling of a gas station in Long Lane. The building owner says the damage is close to $5,000. City of Monette is facing a lawsuit over construction at the airport there. An Illinois-based company, Sierra Bravo Contractors LLC, filing a nearly $2.5 million suit against Monette. The company claims that the city leaders asked for changes that caused the project to go over budget and not get finished on time. The company is suing the amount uh, for the city for the amount of the money it claims that they owe because of the delay. A big announcement at Missouri State University. President Cliff Smart says he will retire at the end of the academic year. In 20. 9 to 11 weekday mornings. That's really where they want to go. On 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, Chris Russell, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson. On 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. All right. There's protests that are happening in Columbus, Ohio over the shooting of a 21-year-old pregnant woman um, named Takaya Young. I don't know if you've heard of this story or seen it. It happened a week or so ago. And um, so here, here's the details. On August 24th, Takaya Young, she's a 21-year-old um, pregnant woman who happened to be black. She was shot to death by, by police officer in Blinden Township, Ohio. 
um, the car that she was driving was it was sitting and um, then started to move forward or she drove forward or however you want to say it. Um, that's what they're disputing over there. While there's a police officer who was giving her a, com- um, a command to stop to get out of the car and um, she was speaking to him and she um, about her alleged shoplifting from the grocery store. So I don't know that it's come out that she did or didn't. Let's just say she did. So um, the officers wanted to question her. They gave her a direct order to get out of the car. She partially rolled her window down and expressed she didn't want to exit the car. And so after a brief back and forth, she turned her wheel to get away and nudge one of the officers who fired a shot and killed her. She was pregnant. Um, body cam footage came out um, this past Friday, and the video is hard to watch. I'm not going to lie to you. I've seen it a couple times. I like to look at these things and just examine it. Um, with our ministry, we, my wife and I do a ministry we have for about five years, um, and it's all about racial reconciliation. And so, you know, after the George Floyd or, you know, Ahmaud Arbery, people are always asking us, what do you think? What's your take on this stuff? And, and I'll probably do a podcast. And for our ministry, we do a podcast on this stuff the way we see it. And so, but, um, so anyway, the body cam footage came out hard to watch. Um, and then protests are happening in Columbus, Ohio. And I think they're going to go nationwide. I've been watching this story. Uh, and, and if, if Black Lives Matter didn't have the negative press that it has right now from the, this, the money that they've been, um, wasting and stealing and the fraudulent activities that they've been engaged in, which is so crazy. Which, by the way, Candace Owens, her documentary on that exposes it pretty well, the um, the Black Lives Matter money stuff, which it's a difference. I don't want to go into the documentary. I'm not saying watch it because I thought the first half of the documentary was great. Second half, it was mid. You know what mid means, Chris? Mid? Mid. Is mid. Mid-level? Ooh, you, you're not down with the young people. Cash, you know what mid is, don't you? Like, 100%. See, because see, she's well, down. Well, tell me then. It's like average. Oh. You, you, the well, man, that's the rest of the middle, man. Yeah, but you were guessing. Right. You didn't say it with some conviction. You know what Riz is? <laughs> You're killing me. You don't know what Riz is? Can somebody get me a, uh, a, a dictionary? Like a- you guys go back and forth on who has the most, you know, in tune with the hip young people. Like, Chris is all into the TikTok stuff, but then Alex comes out with terms like mid yeah, and bet. Yeah. Do you know what Riz is, Don? I do not. Charisma, guys. Where you guys been, man? Charisma. Drip or drown. You know what that is, Chris? No. You don't know what drip or drown is? I know. Cass, I mean, I, who's the old man now, Cass? I yeah. don't know. Because I know what drip is. Every day. You got five kids. I do have five. Chris has <laughs> more gray. Chris has more gray hair, but Alex, you have less hair. <laughs> so I don't know which is worse. So your drip is your outfit, Chris. Your smooth outfit. I got nothing, you know, so. man. But anyways, okay, I'm random. Squirrel, yeah. where's the squirrel let's at? Get back. You got a great story here. Let's, let's get back into this, All right, man. Chris, yeah. I'm random, man. I got to let you guys in <laughs> in the mind of a madman. So anyway, so, but I do think that it's going to go nationwide. And, um, you know, I, 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 because here's why, you know, Black Lives Matter, they've messed up, they've done their stuff, but there are black people that are talking about this. I have people that are sending me messages, emailing me um, all throughout our ministry. And um, black people believe this is racially motivated because, they believe, and here's where it all comes down to, and this is in, in black people's mind when they see stuff like this, would this have happened to a white person? Would a white per- would this would it have escalated so quickly if this is a white person, if, if Takaya was a white person? Um, that's always the question. You know, that's always the question at hand. Would a suburban white lady who did the exact same thing, would that would she be dead today? And I ask that not, you know, I'm not even asking it like you got for anyone to weigh in here, but that's, that's really the question at hand. Whenever things like this happen 
and we see it in our society, in our culture. And, you know, me being married to um, a white lady, my wife is, we're, we're suburban, you know, she's a white lady. We, we think about stuff like that. Like, I'm going to take know, it one step further. Would it be if it was a, if it was a white, very attractive, low to mid twenties lady? Yeah. I'm serious. I mean, I don't yeah. I think it depends on more it. how you present yourself, how your car looks, like what you're wearing than it does your race. Maybe that would be where I stand on that. I, I don't think so, Cass. I think it's a split. I think it's just a split decision. Like, you know, when you, when you see, you know, you, cause you, you see the first thing you notice is you see me, you see, you're going to see a big, bald, beautiful black man. Don't forget the beautiful part of it. <laughs> uh, my, my race describes me, but it doesn't define me. And in those, when a cop comes on the scene and this, these are where the biases and stuff, this is where I advocate for conversations to be had. And, and, you know, we had Lieutenant David Meyer on, on Monday, he and I have been having these conversations for three and a half years now, just the biases. I challenge all of us to look at, you know, bias. Like if you see, you know, let me just give you this. If we, if we're going down the street and we see a person who has some teeth missing, um, maybe a little bit skinny, um, you know, and they, you know, have a backpack on, you know, look a little bit dirty. There's an image that comes to our mind. We're going to think probably a white meth, meth head. I mean, that's just, you know, you look at trailer park trash and, and these are just generalizations, but what color is trailer park trash? Anybody want to weigh in? White. White. Yeah. Yeah. Color- see, I think that same thing could have happened to a white person who presented like trailer park trash. I don't think it has to do necessarily as much with race as how you carry yourself and how you present yourself. But Cass, when you're sitting in a car and when you just come on the scene, you don't know how somebody's carrying themselves. You just see, you know, the, the, this, the skin and you see it right there. Now, in some cases that, you know, very well could be, but you know, um, this is where, this is the question that, that, you know, that's always on the mind. And so here, let me just say this. I, I want to say this, you know, you know, here's what, cause I, I've talked to some people. Here's what, um, some of my, um, some of my black brothers and sisters are saying shoplifting should never have escalated to death. That's what they're saying. Um, the use of deadly force. Here's another thing. The use of deadly force cannot be the only option just because it is an option because the ramifications are too grave. And then, um, another one of my friends said nothing that Takaya Young did justifies what one of the two police officers did fire a single shot in um, through the windshield, killing a mother and her unborn daughter. And so I don't know if I explained that. So she's in the car. They tell her to get out. Um, she, she's like, doesn't want to, she rolls down the window. She's talking. She's like, why? I think I, I and to really, honestly, I think that she knows that she's guilty and she, she's like, I don't want to be here. So they keep saying, get out of the car. And they're saying, and they are giving her a lawful order. And so she actually turns the wheel. There's a police officer who moved to the front. She turns the wheel and so, and you, in my opinion, she wasn't trying to hit the guy. She turns the wheel to move away from him, and then she nudges him, and he fires a shot and kills her. Okay, so I just watched the video, and I got to say, I, I think they did it wrong. And, and, and here's why. I'm going to step back. I mean, immediately, my first thought was, shoot the tires out. I mean, seriously. You're, but you're, that's not how you're trained in law enforcement. I know. But I Cassie, get it. I literally you have, know what, Cassie, you're right. But on. that's the question. That's, that's what black people want to talk about. Okay, so, but can I give a law enforcement perspective, being that I have a degree in it, just real quick? Wait, wait, go to Chris, and then we're going to well, go to I just said, I, I looked at it going, my first initial thought, and I haven't been through police training, so there's that, but my first official thought was, I, I'm going to shoot the tires out. Yeah. Cass, what are you going to say? Well, first of all, 
that's not how you're trained because in law enforcement you have a split second decision and if that officer and if that officer felt that their life was in danger because maybe in the split second they thought that, that she was trying to run them over then they are trained no matter race color creed anything to aim for center mass and stop the threat they're not yeah. trained to kill somebody they're trained literally the verbiage that is used center mass stop the yeah. threat and Cass, we are here are all pro police yeah I mean, we all are i, I mean, agree what, i know what yeah. you're saying Cass. too and, i do and i do I, I know what they're trained to do because mm-hmm. i've had these conversations but that's what black and brown people are saying let's 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 talk about that let's let's change that because it seems like this happens more um to black people and you know so let me just give my thoughts i know the music's playing real fast um i hope that we're able to be sympathetic to the fact that a life was lost because it, it is miss mother two lives. yeah and her baby yeah, so yeah. two lives um and when you see the body cam video you'll most likely have an opinion that lands on one side or the other i say that after that this is what i say i hope that we're all able to listen to what the other side is saying and seek to see things in a different way seek first to understand before being understood that's what stephen covey said and then we need to be prepared for some extremists on both sides to try to stir this up and get us at each other's throats again. Let's not fall for that. And please, let's, con- let's please, con- no, please. don't fall for that. Let's continue to evaluate our processes and procedures of our law enforcement and officers. And at the same time, let's teach um, a culture of compliance and respect for authority. And I imagine the solution that both sides seek is somewhere in the middle. So that's my thoughts. Kevin Weaver with the Warriors Journeys next. Traffic Center. We have reports of a building fire that uh, watched for fire crews at the scene of 4,000 block of South Hillcrest Avenue in Springfield. Uh, also, uh, 1,200 block of East Cherokee. That's uh, around Mercy Hospital. Reports of a... The show. Weekdays at 11 on 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, Chris Russell, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen-Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. All right, we're back in studio. We have a special guest. Our first guest of the day is Mr. Kevin Weaver with The Warrior's Journey. How are you today, sir? Alex, I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. Well, good deal. Full disclosure, Kevin, um, I've known him for 30 years now. 28 years for sure yeah he did out my wife and i our premarital counseling when we got Aww, married oh that's awesome man yeah. doesn't seem like that long ago either chris wow. <laughs> that's pretty impactful that. Yeah. And i like gonna, that and i'm gonna say this I, I have to give a shout out to his wife cayenne um my wife would she's she likes she likes cayenne more than she likes you yeah well, hey, listen, <laughs> that's that's pretty much the norm for me so that's that's part for the course brother that's great <laughs> so shout out to cayenne she's a teacher out in marshville isn't it she yeah. she does yes yeah. she's out there works with uh that district and uh, just loves it she's been there goodness almost uh, i think it's eight years now that's awesome yeah so, loves it let's dive into this man the warrior's journey i don't know if a lot of people here in springfield know about the warrior's journey all over the world they do yeah but, but so tell us what the warrior's journey is what you guys do and all that good stuff. Yeah, so we're a veteran service organization that that focuses primarily on helping individuals who are currently active duty and or veterans all the way back to we've helped World War II veterans, Vietnam vets, Korean vets. You know, it doesn't have to be this, this current uh, state of the guys of war on terror, although those are the primary folks that we probably uh, engage with. Uh, but we really focus on how to heal invisible wounds. And that was one thing we saw several years back, 2014, a, a gap. Uh, we were working with a global uh, missions organization called Network 211, and Mark Flattery, who is our co-founder, 
you know, we, we got to talking and said, hey, you know, we really, we really need to do something for our military folks. And, and I had been a part of military ministry. In fact, before I came to Springfield in the early 90s, my wife and I, Kai and I, we pastored a church in Panama, Central America, two American military yeah. people. We, you know, we were involved with military folks as well as serving myself. I, I served from 1982 through, through 1989. Yeah. So thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. You know, that was good. I've got two boys that are active duty right now. And so, you know, it's just, it's always been a, a fabric of our life, you know, yeah. than the military community. So we really saw a gap, a lot of great military organizations out there, over 42,000 in the U.S. Yeah. Many of them are doing great things, but we didn't really see the focus on suicide prevention as it related to a holistic approach. There was, you know, hey, mental health, mental health, mental health, that's what we hear, yeah. PTSD. We knew that it was much more complex than that. So did some research uh, with the Pentagon, had some great uh Great ability to to connect with the those folks there. They helped us. We did some surveys. Uh, Harvard School of Business helped us to assimilate data. We found that PTSD was one of really twelve major issues, and it was kind of down the list. And so we started focusing on how to address those issues from a uh, a physical, mental, and a spiritual component. Yeah, tied all together, and it has been phenomenal. I tell you, um, I remember I was pastoring in Florida, college and young adult ministry. We had a young girl. In our ministry, her name was Kelly, where mm-hmm. her husband was um, in Iraq at the time. This is probably 12 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he came back, and he was not the same. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have these sources. They didn't know what was going on. They struggled. He he wasn't. He became abusive towards her. Yep. And they were teenagers that, you know, mm-hmm. teenage, you know, got married and stuff. And um, he ended up taking his own life. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember shortly after I hearing this statistic that 22 you know, veterans commit suicide on a day. And I know you guys are working to, to get rid of that number. To do big, with it. Yeah, it's big, big, big part of the initiative we do. We've had uh, over 1,800 interventions since 2016. Uh, we're very grateful. We Tell have, us what an intervention is. I'm sorry. So when someone comes to us, and it could be, you know, something very dramatic and extreme or something maybe that's just what we call an ideation, an idea uh, in, in a person's head that says, you know, I think that maybe my best course of action is to take my life. You know, and so we, we, we engage in conversation. We train our connectors. And by the way, all of our connectors are warriors. So yeah. we really feel this is one of the most powerful things in our core values, warrior to warrior. Yeah. You, get a, you get a warrior helping a warrior. They can't hide behind that. There's an instant bond. There's a trust. And we try to uh, engage this idea of, of being vulnerable. How do I help this guy who, in the military, it's like, don't be vulnerable. Just take care of it. And you can't take care of it. And then you're, gonna, you're out. You know, it's like there's this pressure so people just ignore and push down, just like this individual you, you're talking about, this young man. And, and it's the military experience is just not intuitive to self-care. Yeah. So, so we have created an environment where they can, in a, in a uh, very safe place, talk about what and process what they've been experiencing. So that, that's an intervention for us. We, we engage one-on-one in conversation. We, we identify. Sometimes they come to us and say, I mean, I've had this dramatic experience. Hey, I'm calling you right now because I've got a, you know, I've got a handgun. It's wow. in my hand, and unless you tell me why I shouldn't pull the trigger, I'm going to do it while I'm on the phone with you. Wow. I mean, we've had those kinds of experiences, too. Hey, you know, I've had, I'm in a dark place. Well, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, and then we, we kind of fetter it out and find out that, yeah, this person's really uh, really not very hopeful about yeah. the future, and they're thinking about harming themselves. So 1,800-plus of those, and, and we haven't lost one person. That's cool. you know, That's impactful. Yeah, and I, and I will tell you the twenty two wow. a day. The twenty two a day is a. It's an interesting number because that's a that's a VA number. That's just veterans who aren't serving. It does not count active duty military. Does not count people who have overdosed. Does not count people who have maybe driven off a bridge. 
there's very strict like that's that's a that's a number that's very narrow and right. I, I will tell you that that number is much much higher unfortunately i i you know i've never served and i'm i'm always thankful and grateful for people who have you know mm-hmm. you guys are warriors i mean i love i and i love the fact that cuz there's a different mindset to a warrior i mean there is i mean you guys are willing to run towards the bullets to go towards to go to battle it's a different mindset and so when you're when you come back from that and you know again i've only seen movies i love to watch the movies but the movies aren't movies okay i mean i acknowledge that (laughs) but you know um just to try to go inside the mind of a warrior it does take another warrior to understand what they're dealing with it does you know and when you say you know i get a guy and we do this very distinctly too so if i get a guy who's you know fourth battalion second marines you know, he calls us, you know, I'm not going to connect him with an Air Force guy. Because they don't like yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 don't get me wrong. They like each other, but, you know, there's not going to be the necessarily the deep brotherhood there. You okay, know? wait a second, wait a second. I understand that the Air Force is like the little bougie uh, service. That's what, that's what I'm the told. The Chair Force. Yeah, the Chair Force, exactly. There you go. You know, you know it's really funny, and uh, that, that's that's a misnomer in many ways. Yes, we support all of our soldiers, all of our warriors, that's you right, know, part right. of the Air Force. Yes. Chris has to always be politically correct. What do no, yeah. I mean, come on. Well, let me, Can't let you me, diss the Air Force a little bit, Chris? That's, no, that's, I'm not going to do it. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. I was Air Force. Oh, my bad. I love the Air Force, Kevin. I love the Air Force. <laughs> no, it was great. And I had a, I had a great experience. I mean, hey, I, you know, I was part of the Grenada experience, you know, back in, back in the day, you know. So, no, right. but, you know, I think there is. There's that rivalry. And, and, and I will tell you that each, each, uh, military branch has its own culture. It, it does. I mean, yeah. the mm-hmm. army guys are, I mean, mm-hmm. army guys and you, you get them all in a room and they're all going to be great. But you get guys talking about what, what they really need to be, get, be getting on the table and processing. You've got to have somebody they're going to really trust. And I get a guy, for instance, who says, Hey, I was over here. Oh, I was there just a year after. In fact, I was in the same unit. I yeah. had similar experiences, man. There's a bond. It's like, even if they didn't serve together, they did. It's like yeah. that brotherhood runs deep. And so what we have tried to do is create this amazing, um environment this this uh this cohesive serendipitous kind of natural environment yeah so kevin got a great program here i'm just kind of curious how are you funded how can people help how can they get involved to support your your organization that's a great question chris i appreciate that so really we we have if you're a veteran and and you don't know about us first of all i would say hey come check us out come Mm -hmm. come to our new location uh north glenstone just there across from metro appliance you know by praise assembly church up there uh come see us and uh talk about how we might be able to help and or talk about how you could volunteer and, and uh, so you guys got a gala or we've been coming for your new place don't you we, we up? do coming Tell up yep. yep so so uh tomorrow morning uh 11 o'clock uh chamber of commerce is coming out uh mayor is going to be out there with us and uh some city officials and leaders and uh, we're not we're not sure how many people are going to show up we're going to have a great time we're going to dedicate this building uh we've been in it since july we had we've had over a hundred walk-ins wow you know uh since july we've never had a walk-in in our in our rented facility yeah. so give us the there. address again for the building. so it's 3555 north glenstone uh, Springfield, Missouri, 65803. Across from Praise Assembly? Yep, yep okay, just cool. right, down, right on the corner there by Praise. So tomorrow morning, ribbon cutting at 11, and then yep. um, you guys are having a community celebration tomorrow night, 6 to 8 p.m., um, outdoor concert with David Bray. That's it. That's it. Uh, so come, come, come join us. Come join us. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. News is next on Wake Up Springfield.
Nobody likes those pesky newsletters that spam up your inbox weekly or even worse, daily. That's why our KWTO Insiders Club only reaches out when it's important. If you join our Insiders Club, you get exclusive access to our best content, and we only reach out when you really, really should know something epic that's going on in KWTO land. Be a super fan and check out our Insiders Fill that number two role so easily. It's not going to be Mike Pence because Mike Pence is about as interesting as vanilla. It's time for today's top three. Aho, KWTO, away! One. Well, something that started yesterday, Lake of the Ozarks, and it goes today, tomorrow, and, or yesterday, today, and tomorrow is the Governor's Conference on Economic Development, the 65th annual event. And I have been to it several times. It is an outstanding event that's held um, each and every year. Now, here's how it impacts us. We'll have representatives from local chambers, our city planners, city administrators. You're going to have uh, people from our economic development offices, all attending this from all across the state. And they're going to be there with the idea of how can they all collaborate and learn together best practices to bring back to our local communities. Now, this year's conference theme is called Not Done Yet. And it's to, to build upon Governor Parsons' 2023 State of the State Address. Uh, it's going to feature speakers. So our, our leaders are going to be up there learning topics including work, life balance, economic development strategies, community assets, emerging technology, workforce development, industrial site development, agricultural, manufacturing, all kinds of stuff. And then they get to hear from Missouri head coach Gary Pinkle. Uh, former head coach Gary Pinkle will serve as the conference closing speaker. So our leaders this week are learning how to make our communities better at the 65th Annual Governor's Conference on Economic Development. Two. Well, we've been talking about it in theory, and now it's actually happening. A lawsuit has been filed in Colorado seeking to have Donald Trump disqualified from the 2024 presidential ballot over the 14th Amendment. This is an actual lawsuit. It has been filed in a district court in Denver on behalf um, of six Republican and non-affiliated voters who claim Trump is ineligible under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Three. Hey, have you noticed that gas around Springfield pretty much jumped about 40 cents a gallon overnight? I mean, it's just getting crazy. Well, one of the reasons... Um, for that is that the Biden administration abruptly canceled a few Trump-approved Alaskan oil and gas leases backed by the state lawmakers in um, Alaska and the Native Americans. So um, the Department of the Interior, the DOI, they rescinded the seven 10-year leases spanning 365,000 acres in the Arctic National Refuge. That's otherwise known as ANWR. You've probably heard of that before. So this move has forced Alaska state agencies to challenge this action in federal court. Um, at least someone's looking out for us, right? But um, in addition to this, um, um, American last action under the direction of the White House, the DOI, and again, that's the Department of the Interior, they also issued a proposal to block off 13 million more acres of land across the Natural Petroleum Reserve in Alaska. That's an area that's um, set aside by Congress for um, resource development. Um, they also are trying to block an additional 2.8 million of acres off the northern coast of Alaska from oil and gas leasing. So environmental groups have opposed all drilling in, from, by Anwar over concerns about greenhouse gas emissions and potential impacts 
of wildlife in the region, yada, 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 yada. It's obvious that these moves were done to cater to his radical climate change group. I.O. Silver, away! Don't ever do that again. Sorry. You know, it's just crazy. Did you guys notice that jump in, in gas, though? The, I got gas two days ago, and so I, I've not noticed it yet. I, I have a gas station just down the street from my house, and I did not notice that this morning. Uh, it was 349 in Springfield, but when we drove, we had to go to Stratford yesterday, and it was 322 in Stratford. Okay, so. What are you seeing? Yeah, so, so my kids noticed it on, um, you know, on Tuesday. And um, it was like, literally, I got gas for like 307 over um, on um, West, excuse me, um, South Campbell. Not, not South Campbell. Republic Road, 307. I go to that break time over there. And then, uh, and we also noticed it was like 307 at Sam's Club on South Campbell. And then the next day, so that was Monday, we noticed that. The next day, Tuesday, we're out driving, and, and Nick's uh, and my son Josh like, gas is 349 at that signal there. And I was, and I was like, dang, that like, mm-hmm. he's like, that jumped 42 cents. I was like, ah, oh. I mean, it jumped overnight. And so people have been talking about it. Um, it's jumping, but you know, this is the war. On, you know, in, in Alaska, basically, they're saying this. You have Senator Dan Sullivan of Alaska. He says this war on Alaska is devastating not only for Alaska, but also the energy security of the nation. Uh, he said this unlawful cancellation of these um, leases by Anwar, um, they now bring us to 55 executive order orders and actions specifically targeting Alaska since President Biden assumed office. That's crazy. I mean, we didn't even know that. 55 executive orders trying to stop the drilling of our own oil, um, doing our, getting our, um, manufacturing our own oil, finding our own oil. Why? Why is he trying to sell us out to these other countries? That, that's the big question, because we go back to January 20th, 2021. President Biden's inaugurated the average price of a gallon of gas in America at that point was $2.09. And now we're seeing it climb as high as up over four, four and a half. And right now, if this, it, right now it's three and a half, but that's just in, in, in Springfield. That's here. That's here. It's I don't, cheaper. I don't, yeah. This is cheaper than anywhere It's cheaper. Else. But I mean, we've seen, we've seen this thing begin to climb. We've seen, I think it was around January the 27th and 21, not long after he was inaugurated. Immediately Biden halts the new oil and gas leases. Yeah. Stopped them. Stopped them right then. And, and the thing is, we noticed that here's 349. It's always 50 cents more expensive in, in Illinois. And then I go through Indiana, Ohio, like, you know, I've, I'm I'm all over because I travel mm-hmm. with our ministry, mm-hmm. and it's 3.99 in Illinois. A lot of places in Macomb, Illinois, and places like that. And, and you notice this happens right after holiday weekend, right in the middle of this. You know, his term. People aren't thinking about the election. Um, we're distracted by our school sports, changing seasons, the fun fall coming up. It's a charade. It's a game. Um, and they're seeing if we're paying attention. Well, when your son has ties to Ukraine and Russia, when it comes to making money and those kind of ag- or, uh, allegations, you can see why he did eight, eight. In the first year in office, he made eight changes to the way that we get our gas and oil and regulations when it, re- regarding things like the natural gas and uh, all these different regulations that Trump had put in place. He, he deregulated or made eight changes in year one, and that's why we're seeing our gas yeah. so high. And, and going back to the story we talked about earlier, Biden, he campaigned by saying he's not going to cut fracking. He's not going to cut oil production. It's all a bunch of lies. You sit on a throne of lies, mm-hmm. lies. And so yep. Alaska and all them, they're saying Senator um, Sullivan, he said the Biden administration is putting on a legal charade by pretending to follow the law that requires them to hold these oil leases. Um, but they have no intent of ever actually honoring those leases. 
And so they're basically saying, sue us. We dare you to. I got to look into this a little bit more because this is probably going to regulate hunting and fishing in those lands, too. I, I guarantee it is. I need to I need to research this, Alex. I'll, yep. I'll get some more information for you on that one. All right. Coming up at 735, Larry Woods from the uh, Emergency Management Office here in Greene County. He's going to be with us. And then, But next, it's our international spy. We got Dakota Wood after a traffic update with Don Luzader. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Looks like no major issues out there this morning in the uh, Springfield area other than that construction that uh, is happening on James River Freeway. Watch out for some reduced lanes between Kansas Expressway and National. Also, we still have 93.3 and AM 560. It is a total corruption. We need KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, Chris Russell, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen-Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Welcome back to Wake Up Springfield. Joining us on the phone is a regular guest, one of our good friends of Wake Up Springfield, Mr. Dakota Wood, as Cass calls him, the international super spy. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. She drinks too much coffee. That's the problem. <laughs> you think? <laughs> not enough these days. I now that I'm growing that. a human, not enough. You are growing a human. So, <laughs> so Mr. Wood, Dakota, um, international sure. super spy. What? What's your um, spidey sense? What's your insiders, your inside lingo mindset telling you about this Hunter Biden indictment? What's What's going on? Well, I mean, Why now? Yeah, I mean, there's different reporting on that. One, it's it's uh, to try to get out ahead of the story, especially as the 2024 election cycle really starts to pick up, right? So you would rather not, if you're the Biden team, rather not have this story hanging over your head as Biden is fending off critics from his own party about whether he is um, too old or, you know, mentally adept, uh, you know, cute enough to be able to run for the office. So there's a lot of this positioning. So that that's one argument that uh, go ahead and, and uh, pursue the indictment, uh, bring up all the evidence that's been discussed so far, and then one by one knock those things down and dismiss it. And uh, it's, it becomes a non-story, you know, six or eight or nine months from now. Uh, the other side is, look, you just can't ignore uh, the huge presence in the news of this accumulation of evidence. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, people, emails being released, text messages, Joe Biden, uh, you know, by name, under pseudonyms and those sorts of things. So you just can't <laughs> ignore it any longer. Yeah. And I don't know which one of those is the more prevalent you know, driver for this, but we have what we have. So you have kind of the court of, of law and then you got the court of legal or, or public opinion, you know, so. Yeah. So, I mean, you're kind of saying that this is just something to appease the public, give us some little, you know, little bones since they know they got caught trying to sneak in their sweetheart deal? I think so. I think it was if it was purely a court of law, you know, Department of Justice, um, evidence comes your way, you decide that potentially law has been violated and you're going to pursue it. Uh, then it wouldn't really be controversial. I mean, you know, you're involving the you know, president's son, but they would have done this months and months and months ago, right? If not a few years ago. So what has changed? And, and it's in that court of public opinion, you know, that, that you rightly point out. It's that there's so much reporting, even in the mainstream media side, and acknowledgments even in the Democratic Party that you could just no longer 
ignore it. So, uh, you know, opinion, perception, perception can become reality. And, uh, and the, the Department of Justice uh, simply has no other alternative but to address it. Now, you know, again, going back to the other thing, is it to get the story out of the way? Or is it to address this public awareness that there really is some criminal activity that's been occurring? Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, the crazy thing is, and yesterday, man, we put together, and, you know, Chris, a great story. We've been working on it for a while, but Chris kind of put it all together. Um, the, the, um, what's it called? The 10. Yes. Uh, you know, hearing all these different things that are going on, you know, behind mm-hmm. the scenes, and we, we call it the Democratic Plandemic Playbook to win the election in 2024. <laughs> So, I love and, it. Yeah, and it, it is it's it's something that and and I'll just kind of give you a, like a thirty second overview. Basically, step one: let's get him indicted and let's get all the court dates lined up so it interferes with his his campaign. Let's get this COVID pandemic scare tactic thing going uh, with mm-hmm. all that that goes with that, right? And we've seen a lot of things come from that. And then, of course, um, Amendment fourteen: let's just get him off the ballot, right? Let's get let's get let's Good. get Trump off the ballot, and then maybe we can get DeSantis in there, and then we can we can go after him. Hold on, wait, I want to ask him something. Yeah. Yeah. about that part all right keep going okay so you saw what happened in colorado with trying to get trump off the ballot with these um rogue um lawyers and um federal or retired judge what's what's going on with that mm-hmm. what do you think is going to happen i have not been tracking that oh. uh, so I, I i would be pulling something out of thin air <laughs> okay to, well to sorry about that sorry about right. that so here yeah. let me see me an overview so in colorado you know they're i like depleted the, uranium in, yeah, in, in ukraine so. <laughs> <laughs> well they're trying to use the 14th amendment um, yeah. And with the language of that, um, Section 3, to say that Trump is um, guilty of like an insurrection, and so therefore you shouldn't ever be allowed to serve um, in public action again, or public office again, so... Anyway, yeah, and that Fourteenth Amendment has been has been mentioned um, a lot over the past year. Well, yeah, you know, since January sixth uh, stuff, and you've had what a thousand people that have been, you know, arrested and charged, and and uh, several hundred that have been uh, sent to jail. The Proud Boys guys, you know, yeah. twenty twenty two mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. etc. So, so if you can make the connection that Trump incentivized them to do that right and got everybody all realmed up well then does he you know, fall under this 14th amendment you know that he was party to uh or part of uh this you know rebellion against the united states and uh you know it depends on how a judge views that whether a jury would find credibility to that argument or not but i think the last sentence in that in that uh that piece there is amendment is uh, that congress uh, can elect to waive. In other words, say, yeah, we see there's a story there, but we're going to uh, play a vote and or have a vote and and decide not to apply this and basically you know render a verdict of innocence, so yeah. to speak. Right? If I'm so them, it does have an out there at the end of that. Yeah. If I'm them, if I'm Trump's lawyers, and they try to do that, I'm just going to bring in Jack Smith and say. Did you charge him for an insurrection or not? Nope. Okay. Case right. dismissed. You know what I mean? Boom. Yeah. So, all right, Chris, there's more to that. Well, there is. There's more. And, and by the way, this pandemic that we're coming up with is basically geared towards the, the, the left audience, right? So they're, they're trying to push all these things on there or get those people who are in the middle of the road, right? So they're pushing Bidenomics, saying it's working. They're empowered. Mm-hmm. We may start seeing more protests, those sort of things back on the streets again. We feel that at some point there's going to be a new candidate that will, will, will rise up from the ashes that, cause Joe Biden will he either step down for health reasons or for some reason he cannot run, uh, or just won't run again in 2024. Let and me then ask, of course, let me ask Dakota this, Chris. Oh, what do you got? Go what do you got? No. So Dakota, you're, um, purely irresponsible speculation, and, but you are an international super spy, so you can do this. <laughs> um, so is, okay, two part question. 
Does um, Biden finish out his term? And if not, will it be for health reasons or legal reasons? I think he finishes it out. I think you can, with 18 months or so left to go, right, you know, a year to now and then to January, there's enough time to kind of limp along. Uh, if you remember, it was uh, what FDR, uh, you know, struck by polio and some health issues and all, and his wife basically was running the country uh, from the White House. But they didn't have um, social media uh, back then. I mean, no. come on, we found that out later. <clears throat> Yeah, no, you're absolutely right on that. So you know, things are different, but there is enough of a of a protective curtain around him. So I think unless he suffers something like a Diane Feinstein moment, uh, where you know do, she doesn't even know uh, what's going on, the proceedings around her, right? To say um, yes, or look at what yes. Mitch McConnell is now dealing with, right? Yeah, and and so that that could be a situation. But I think the odds are he probably finishes okay. it out, and that he does not. Run. I mean, look at what happened here with the Medal of Honor recipient, oh, yeah. you know, and Biden yeah. wandering out, uh, you know, at the latter part of that ceremony. So it's, um, you know, it's really atrocious. But the pandemic thing, uh, I'll bring up a point. You guys have probably already thought about it. Think back to when we did have the COVID-19 pandemic and everything was locked down, um, how voting in states was so dramatically expanded. You know, people can't get to the polls. So let's yeah. extend the voting period, not just a week or not just, you know, regular absentee ballots, but let's make it a month long, uh, you know, celebration of everybody could vote, you know, no voter IDs or identification, no nothing. So it could be leveraged in a way that if you went back to a pseudo lockdown, uh, are there ways to do ballot harvesting and uh, just really unregulated sort of voting that might favor the Democrats? That was step nine, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the old play, their yeah. plan. We, we, so that's what we're working on. But something that I, now that we got you on the phone, and that's that's all happening right here, but something bigger that you probably have some insight on is that what is going on with North Korea and Russia, man? And how is that going to impact America? Well, on our side of the pond, uh, you know, people will say that Russia is now desperate for munitions. And so they're going to their buddy, North Korea, that has stockpiled gazillions of rounds of artillery ammunition uh, in old Soviet calibers, right? That, you know, the calibers, the, 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 the type of rounds, yeah, that differ from mm-hmm. uh, Russian and U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, artillery pieces. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. And and North Korea relies heavily on artillery and any kind of invasion of South Korea. So they've got these huge stores. And we're saying that Russia is desperate. Otherwise, why would they be looking? But if you think about it, that's what the West has been doing as well, right? You know, global canvassing of artillery ammunition to send to Ukraine. So any one country has only so much in inventory and, and only so much ability to produce additional ammunition in a short period of time. So it's not surprising, at least to me, that Russia would go to North Korea and say, hey, can we dip into your stores? North Korea is going to say, whoa, there's going to be a price to that. We want nuclear technology. We want, you know, food. We want energy uh, because they've really been uh, hit heavily with sanctions, you know, for many, many decades. And so it's very hard for North Korea to do anything legitimate. It's why they have such an illegitimate economy and rampant criminality in terms of cybercrime and espionage and, you know, manufactured drugs and those sorts of things, right? So it's a win-win where North Korea gets Russian money, energy, food, and uh, diplomatic support. It's a win for Russia in getting access to huge stores of ammunition that they can use to reprovision their forces in Ukraine. It seems like there's becoming a new axis of evil. I mean, you got 
North Korea, yeah. Iran, you know, China. Right. And, uh, you know, Iran, Iran has been supporting uh, Russia with drones, you know, these unmanned systems and even uh, building uh, a drone manufacturing facility in Russia. Uh, they're also getting access to Russian energy and Russia gets access to uh, Iranian technology in that area. Right. At very, very low cost. Uh, buddy buddies between uh, Xi Jinping and yeah. Vladimir Putin, you know, between China and Russia. You know, whatever you can do to knock down the United States benefits both of those countries. So the axis of evil was kind of parodied when George W. Bush you know, brought that up. Uh, but you do have these alliances, you know, these um, um, alignments, maybe is a better way to put it, where countries that are in opposition to Western freedom, representative democracies, capitalism, they're yeah. going to join forces. You know, well, Russian and, support to Venezuela would be another example. Well, and they're also trying to control strategic um, natural resources and or mm-hmm. goods and services. Like if, you know, because China is going to attack Taiwan at some point in time and they're trying to get the semiconductors. It, it is their number one objective to to bring Taiwan under Beijing's heel, right? Uh, now, there's a danger in a military assault. Do you damage the manufacturing facilities that you covet? Uh, but, you know, can that be overcome? You know, do you get their scientists and engineers and the technology and kind of recreate things? So these manufacturing facilities are just amazing works of, of an engineering feat because of the tolerances uh, that go into uh, transistors with billions of, of, uh, uh, of uh, diodes, you know, on those things that make them as powerful as they are. Um, so they want to take that in whole. Kind of hard to do that if you're pummeling their cities, you know, with rockets and all that. But yes, their primary objective is to get Taiwan, not just for the semiconductors, but because it then becomes sovereign territory of China, uh, it extends out their economic interests uh, much further out to sea and helps to fend off Japan and some other countries. Wow. Well, and then meanwhile, we got a president walking off the stage, you know, in the middle oh, of a horrible. Medal of Honor ceremony. And then we send Secretary of State Antony Blinken over to Ukraine. And because Russia has no worries about the United States of America, they bomb Ukraine yesterday and kill like 16 people. I mean, that's that's the world yeah. we live in, Dakota. They're ravaging the country. Yeah. So, you know. Yes, super spy. <laughs> we appreciate knowledge. you, pal. We gotta yeah. run we gotta run here. Uh we do appreciate you vote very much though. We've been speaking with Dakota Wood. Um anyway, coming up next though, speaking about our own well, could be disasters in Greene County, uh which we hope never ever happens. We're gonna talk about how our county is prepared with Larry Woods coming up next. 93.3 and AM 560, KWTO News. KWTO News time is 7.30. A little bit of fog out there. We're at 57 degrees in Springfield. Off to a cool start. We're looking for sunshine today with a high of 87. And hazy conditions as well from that Canadian wildfire smoke that's moving into our area from the north and northwest. It is expected to become heavier throughout the day today and remain through the evening hours. Visibility may be slightly reduced. Children and the elderly are asked to take care while outdoors today. Springfield City Council is considering raising electricity rates for city utilities customers. Council is considering a plan to raise rates 4.8% through next April. That would mean about a $5 a month increase for the average customer. Rates would then go up 4% in April of 2025 and 3.9% in 2026. CU officials say the rate increases are needed to offset increased operating costs. Council is expected to vote on the proposed increases in two weeks. Missouri State University President Cliff Smart says he'll be retiring next summer. 
Smart has been president of MSU since 2011. A search committee will be named by the end of this month. That committee will conduct a nationwide search for Smart's replacement. Board of Governors Chair Chris Waters uh, praised Smart's leadership, saying that he has led the university forward in too many ways to name. And a woman from Springfield faces arson charges for allegedly setting fire to a home after being served an eviction notice. Freedan Reed reportedly told officers she set the fire. Three other people were... One, you better be there. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. Join me weeknights from 9 to midnight on KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, Chris Russell, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen-Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Welcome back to Wake Up Springfield. I've got a guest in the studio today. Lucky to have Larry Woods. He is the director of the Springfield Green County Emergency Management Office here in town. And well, welcome to Wake Up Springfield, sir. Good morning. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate you just, uh, inviting me over. Just found out a fun fact. My dad was a fire chief uh, in Nixon, Missouri for many, many years. And you also served. I was still in high school when, whenever you were with the Nixon Fire Department or Nixon Fire District, but you served or worked with my dad, Steve Russell, for a few years down at Nixon Fire Department. I did. I actually, uh, I was reserved with the Sheriff's Department down there for a while. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, uh, worked EMS down there. And at mm-hmm. the time we were stationed out of one you of their were. stations. And, yeah. And so we got to know each other very well. Yep. And I was part of the cadet program during those years. So yeah. And again, not making me feel old whatsoever. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it is what it is. You were probably a pretty young guy back then too, though. So, all right. So tell us a bit about the Green County Office of Emergency Management, man. Tell us what you guys do for our county. Well, uh, you know, we, we do many things on a daily basis, not just whenever the disasters strike. Uh, you know, we really fi- have five missionaries that we focus on, uh, preparedness, prevention, mitigation, response, and recovery. And, uh, we're working on, on all five of those mission areas on a daily basis. And, uh, what we do in those five areas is what prepares us and makes us ready to go whenever the, whenever the big disasters happen. I think a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of a big, when we have a big event in Springfield, uh, you know, a big a festival, a big, something that's going to draw a lot of crowds. You guys are there. You guys are set up on site and ready to handle any emergencies that might come from events like that. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of our, one of our main, I guess, talents, if you will, is, is that of uh, collaboration and coordination. So, uh, we, in those, those types of events, we bring, uh, all the public safety actors together, uh, collaborate with them to, to formulate plans and, and capabilities so that if something unfortunately would go wrong, then we're ready to respond to it. You know, we think about disasters sometimes as tornadoes or major storms, <clears throat> excuse me, ice storms, flooding, those kind of things. But, you're talking about festivals as a guy who's put on big festivals. You also have to have a plan for a mass casualty event. Oh, absolutely. And we rely, uh, uh, heavily on our public safety partners, fire, EMS, uh, law enforcement to be able to, uh, uh, respond, uh, efficiently and, and rapidly in, in any kind of a mass casualty type situation. So one of the things that with a little bit, a little bit of a background in emergency management, I also worked with the Christian County and emergency management group for a while and, and Phil and those guys. And I know that through some of those meetings, when, when something, not necessarily a big like festival, like, <clears throat> excuse me, a route 66 days or something like that, but we know we live in the Ozarks. I mean, at any given moment, Don Luzader could be on the news saying, we have a tornado warning, and he's indicated a tornado coming out of Republic heading right towards Springfield. If that were to happen, how does the Office of Emergency Management get involved in taking care of the situation? Sure. 
So we're constantly working with, with partner organizations, as I, I said, fire, EMS, mm-hmm. law enforcement. Those are the ones everybody thinks about. But, uh, the other ones that we work on, uh, work with on a regular basis are, are friends over at the National Weather Service. So, uh, we are constantly, you know, today, you know, you mentioned the, the smoke from Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, National Weather Service is putting that information out. We're, we're then taking that information, disseminating it out to, uh, all of our citizens, uh, across the county so that they're, they're aware of what's going on. Uh, and so during these special events, uh, we are writing plans. We are, uh, con- constructing scenarios that what, you know, what if this happens? What if a high wind event happens? What if, uh, a thunderstorm comes through lightning, uh, and making preparedness plans to be able to deal with those contingencies should they happen so what let's just let's just go through the hypothetical let's just say that it, it does happen and i'm, I'm not going to call out any area because i don't want to be the guy that called it out on the radio and then something happens but if something happens in this in this area and we have heaven forbid a tornado or a joplin event right something like that what's the first steps of the office of emergency management what is your roles in that situation well we've got uh we maintain a watch officer program so we've got two personnel on call 24 seven. We have mm-hmm. a watch manager and a watch officer. So the very first thing that's happening is if anything is occurs, either no notice or with notice, mm-hmm. uh, then those folks will immediately begin acting in mm-hmm. some capacity. Uh, if the, uh, incident, um, begins to rapidly evolve, then they're going to bring in more, more staff, more people. Uh, typically they're going to start with our staff internally. And then as, uh, the, the situation evolves, we may end up bringing in additional people to the point where we may activate our community emergency operations center. But don't you, doesn't your office kind of take incident command of the situation? Well, that's, and I think that's what a lot of people think. But really, emergency management's role is to to collaborate and coordinate. Okay. So we would never be in command of a of an incident. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's left up to the folks in the field, the, the fire, the law enforcement, the EMS folks. Our job is to support those resources, support those needs uh, during the response. So, um, for instance, an incident commander at a large scale incident in the field, uh, they aren't going to have the capability or the capacity to reach out and get the resources they need. So in that case, they call us, they call the emergency operations center personnel there. We start working the problem. We're looking at it at a, at a strategic level, whereas they're looking at it more of a, a tactical level, if you will. Larry, I know Chris wants to talk about uh, warning sirens and how, how they're used. But before we do that, I also want to say that your office is also very great about working with uh, not only the National Weather Service, but also the media. Uh, we have been on uh, many committees over the years and, and different groups that are designed to provide a collaboration between emergency management, the National Weather Service, and media and helping get word out to our citizens before something happens, during something happening, and then the aftermath after it happens. And I know that that's really been a, a really good partnership over the last several years. Absolutely. And, and, and one of the things that, uh, that we've been working with is the integrated warning team approach, which is something that the National Weather Service is really spearheading. Uh, this has been going on for a number of years. And it's really, uh, it's just, as you said, bringing all of these different entities together to collaborate. But more importantly, it's taking a look at our warnings, at our warning processes, and trying to figure out what is the, the best way to, to issue warnings. Okay. And I don't mean, you know, turning on the siren specifically or, or, you know, the media, uh, uh, announcing it or whatever. It's, it's more about how, how does the public perceive the warning? Okay. 
Uh, Do they understand the call to action? Exactly. And and so those are things that for years that we have been collaborating on and trying to figure out what is the best way to issue a warning so that the public will understand it and and act on it, you know, in, in the manner that, that we need them to act. Well, and, and the, the person who was in your role in Lahaina, you know, coming under a lot of scrutiny and eventually stepped down from that role because of what a lot of people were saying failure to run the warning sirens to let people know that there was a mass fire coming you had some thoughts on that well and i think uh, you know there's been a lot of talk about about the outdoor warning sirens uh in hawaii uh, and their uses um we look at warning devices warning method methods as tools in our toolbox okay uh, whether that is an outdoor warning siren whether that is the news media whether that is uh, no weather radio um, each one of these devices has a, uh, a specific purpose in, in warning the public about something. Uh, so in, for instance, sirens in, in, in our, uh, neck of the woods, when you think outdoor warning sirens, what do you think? Tornado. Tornadoes. Exactly. Um, when you live on the coast, you think a, a coast or on an island surrounded by water, yep. you think tsunami. tsunami yeah. Well, when, the, when those sirens go off, People are trained. People are, it's just ingrained in them. That siren goes off. You head uphill. I yeah. mean, cause the tsunamis, the wave is coming, right? Right. Well, in our neck of the woods, would we activate a siren for flooding? You know, that, that might confuse the, the issue, you know? It makes sense. Uh, so if I'm fly fishing at Lake Tanicomo down below the dam and they hit the siren, I know they're raising the water. Get out of the water because they're exactly. going to start running the dam. So, so, yeah. So a lot of times the type of warning device, the type of, of tool in our tool bag has a very specific purpose. Right. I don't know the all the background and the circumstances necessarily that occurred uh, in Lahaina, but I, you know, I, I know that you know there. I'm sure there are there's backstories that I'm just not aware of. Hey, if they go to your website, uh, what are they going to find on the Springfield Green County Office of Emergency Management website? Oh, they will find everything from preparedness information to uh, uh, public uh, um, copies of our planning documents. Uh, just all kinds of information available there well larry we appreciate you coming in the studio with us today and and, and i feel comfortable that we know that we're going to be protected in the green county christian county area i know you guys all work together because you know our you never know when something could come across because it has happened right along that green christian county line you Absolutely. know and it just comes right out and then goes right into webster county i mean you guys all have to work together so we we're appreciate always, you very much we're always working with our friends around us and that website is greencountymode.gov slash oem correct that is it very good hey let's talk with kirk elmquist and uh let's talk kansas city chiefs next right here on wake up springfield traffic from the kwto traffic center not looking too bad we do have a non-injury crash being reported at highway 60 and farm road 170 in green county we also have uh, lane restrictions along james river freeway between kansas expressway to uh, near national so watch out for Reduce speeds of 50 minutes. 9 to 11 weekday mornings. That's really where they want to go. On 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. Listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, Chris Russell, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO.
Hey, Don, how about that? Uh, Larry here, and a tie-in to my father as a fire chief and him working out of our Station 1 down there in Nixa way back 30-plus yeah, years cool. ago. Yeah. yeah, I've known Larry for not as many years as you have, but I've known him for a number of years. I've seen him come up through Springfield Green County Emergency Management. I've seen him work under several different emergency management directors, and it was so cool when uh, when Larry actually got that job after kind of being the number two guy there for a long time. Mm. So very well deserved, and he's a, he does a great job coordinating all these agencies in disaster responses and just everyday events. Uh, you know, I don't think people realize that if there's a big event going on, mm-hmm. emergency management has a plan on if something were to go wrong at that event. So I know we're waiting on Kirk Elmquist, hopefully, to if he can get tied in here this morning. But, you know, that's something that we did for a big event down here in Christian County is that we brought in our Christian County Emergency Management Director. Yeah. Phil Lamtower is a great yeah. guy. I know Phil for a number of years, too. We laid it all out with the fire department. I mean, we knew where the helicopter was going to land. We knew if we had to have multiple ambulances come in for a casualty. They, they planned all that stuff, you know. So, I mean... It's really, it, we really are fortunate. And I just, let's pray they never get used, right? That's, that's the one thing is that that's the plans that are up on the shelf, Don, that we hope never come off the shelf and have to be implemented. Yeah. And if you've ever been over to the EOC, it is a pretty amazing place. I mean, you, you it seems like, you know, just imagine a big situation room, uh, and it's got everything monitors, uh, you know, with everything imaginable on yeah. those monitors that they're monitoring and looking at. So it's really a cool deal. Hey, I want to um, just kind of switch gears a little bit, if we can. Um, we had talked about a segment um, a little bit ago about this shooting of this young lady in Columbus, and I've been getting texts and um, stuff like that. People are like saying, "Hey, um, you know, greed like the like the thoughts and stuff." I wanted to kind of go back to that, if we can, because we were expecting Kirk, but um, you know, we don't know what's going on there. But I, I did want to say this: we here and and all of us, we love police. I, I've shared it before. I got a lot of police officers in my family, cousins, um, brother-in-laws, uncles. Um, I know Cass, you've gone, um, to, um, you, you were studied criminal justice at, um, school. And, um, and, you know, Chris, you're in the community. I mean, we all do. We all love the police. And, and I think they know that. And I, I want to say this. I, I, I had in my notes, I wanted to go over just some of the thoughts from the other side because I got some, some conversation. I got some thoughts from some of the police that had a different perspective and Cass brought in a different perspective on this, this shooting over there. It's like police are trained to um, take out the threat. And, you know, I remember before I watched the video, like you did, Chris, it, my thought was, well, if, you, if you're driving towards a police officer, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot. And uh-huh. and here's, here's kind of, you know, what the other side um, is, is saying. Um, First is this, the pregnant mother of two should have gotten out of the car when the first um, Blendon Township police officer asked her to when she, um, and then when the second came to her car, she should have got out. I mean, if you would have complied, you wouldn't have died. I mean, I, I that's kind of the, the thought that I, that I get on there. Um, and then here's another one. A weapon is not just a firearm. A weapon is also a 2000 pound vehicle that someone puts in gear and is driving at you. Um, you know, that's absolutely true. I mean, I watched the video during this, this last, uh, during the last commercial break that we had, I've listened to the, watched the video. Uh, obviously they don't, they don't show the moment of the shooting, but they also show the moments leading up to it. And they also show, by the way, they did a good job stopping that car that was actually getting ready to like, you know, go into some kind of a store or something there, uh, with the woman, you know, obviously rendered, uh, um, 
what do you call that when you shoot someone they render them anyway you yeah, know what yeah, i mean right so, yes. yeah I mean, she, she wasn't neutralized threat. neutralized yes. yeah so but it it appears to me though that the that the police were standing in there was an officer standing in front of that vehicle with the gun pointed at the windshield even before she made that maneuver that's what it looked to me like in the video but i'd have to go back and watch it again but but my point is she also said something that i don't know that we mentioned as well she said are you going to shoot me yeah and this was before she did that before she started to turn toward the officer so you know yeah there's there's you know there's more sometimes videos are much more than meets the eye and we have to realize that yeah absolutely true um chris you want to weigh in i know that i've watched a lot of videos over the years of the post videos after any kind of shootings taking place by a police officer and they go through a lot of trauma that's a that's a tough deal on them too and i i don't I don't think any of the, I don't think any police officer ever wants to pull the trigger on anybody ever. I, I just don't, I, I want to believe that, Alex. Let me put it that way. I want to believe that. And I just think that whatever this situation is, I, I hope that, cause it's, it's tough for me to put myself in that, your perspective, your eyes, Alex, and what, what you know, what you've experienced through your ministries and what you guys have talked about and, so it's very difficult for me. Uh, m- again, I know what Cass said about, you know, you shoot for center mass, that kind of a deal. My mind is still, is there another way to rent the vehicle useless without taking that step? But if that's not the way they're trained, then I guess that's what they have to do. But I know that that no matter what the situation is, a police officer never wants to take a shot. At least the ones that I've spoken to, that's the last thing they ever yeah. want to get into. My cousins tell me that. I mean, you know, nobody wants to kill anyone. Um, no. And I think this goes, and, and again, when I... And I'm, I look at this, I try to look at it from all the sides. You know, I, I, you know, you go back to George Floyd. I watched that video a dozen times. Mm-hmm. I, I saw myself. I could, that could have been me. That's how I look at it. Just in the same way, I talked to a lot of suburban white ladies that says when Amy Comey Barrett was, you know, elected to, or, or, you know, not elected to, but, you know, appointed to and voted into the Supreme Court, that could have been me. I'm a mother of five. I'm a mother of seven. We, we see ourselves in people that represent us, that look like us and, and we identify with them. Now, if I don't see myself in someone, I kind of take the, I'm, I'm not as um, emotionally tied to it. I'm, I'm, I look at it a little bit more intellectual, like, you know, um, rational, if you will. And so those are all things that are considered when we are, when we're looking at and evaluating something like this. That being said, I also go to the naked eye look. The first time I see a video, what do I look at? My thought was, and I think I'm where you were, Chris, like, dang, did you, did you have to shoot her? I mean, you know, because it looked like he was in the front but could have been to the side a little bit. Could he have just, you know, maybe moved out of the way or something? Like, you know, it looked like, and I, and I too, Don, noticed that the gun was already at her. He kind of went up there, it seemed like, pretty quickly, you know, like, you know, like, why were the the, the guns drawn so quickly? That's a big question I have. When this girl shot, we also don't know what commands they were yelling at her before that happened. And my number one thing is to avoid getting shot. I don't know very many people who have been shot by police who obeyed police commands. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but in the heat of the moment, you get nervous and get scared. Sure. Um, because I, I know that I've been there. Like it's like you just freeze up nervous. And, and, and Don, there's another video that has the audio and it actually shows 
all the stuff too. Cass, you want to jump in here? Well, I don't know that we have time now, but um, they actually, the police chief released a video statement, and I have it here, and we can probably pay, play like 30 seconds of it. Okay, go for it. I want to brief the community on a tragedy that recently occurred, which resulted in the unfortunate loss of life of a local woman. Last night, Blendon Township police officers were assisting a driver locked out of her car in the Kroger parking lot on Sunbury Road. As the officers were helping, a Kroger employee pointed out to one of the officers that someone who had stolen bottles of alcohol from the store was, at that moment, fleeing. Store employees later reported that several suspects had been stealing items, but that the other suspects had fled in other cars. However, this particular female suspect who had been pointed out to the officer was in a Lexus sedan with no license plates and parked in a handicapped spot right in front of the store. The woman started the car. One officer approached from the driver's side and ordered the woman to stop and get out of the car. She ignored the order. Another officer came from in front of the car and also ordered the woman to get out of the car. Despite being ordered to get out of the car more than a dozen times, she refused to do so. The woman put the car in gear and accelerated forward. The officer who was directly in the path of the oncoming car fired one shot through the front windshield. The body camera footage that I've reviewed also confirms that the officer was directly in the path of the car. The car kept moving and officers ran after it for about 50 feet. It then came to a stop on the sidewalk outside the store. Because the driver's door had been locked, Officers immediately broke the driver's window so that they could attend to the woman and begin medical assistance. Weekday afternoons, 4 to 6, on 93.3 and AM 560, KWTO. It's time for today's Top 3! KWTO away! Well, the Springfield Police Department is announcing that their current class of recruits of the Springfield Police Department is in the middle of a six-month police academy, but soon their training will be over and the cadets will be fully sworn in and the department will still have 55-plus openings to fill. The current class has 17 recruits. The department has a graduation rate of nearly 80%, so hey, if you're interested in becoming a policeman, the Springfield Police Department would like to talk to you. They pay cadets through the academy, and which once they graduate goes up to about $47,000 a year, plus they provide $10,000 in equipment. The next training classes will start in January with September, October, and November testing. So if you're interested, get a hold of the Springfield Police Department. Two. Well, we've been talking about it a lot in theory, but now it's actually happening. A lawsuit in Colorado was filed to use the 14th Amendment to uh, keep Donald Trump off of the ballot altogether, I do not think this is the first, and I do not—I mean, I do not think that this is going to be the last of such lawsuits to be filed um, in, in probably several states. And I'm going to be really curious to keep an eye on if this actually is successful, and if this really, really harms Donald Trump's chances at the presidency um, because he could just not be on the ballot at all. Three. Texas A&M University is dismantling their DEI, that's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Department, to keep in compliance with the new Texas state law that bans mandatory diversity training. The university is dropping a required class or lesson on respect and inclusion from a semester-long program open to all first-year students and many other faculty and staff are not 
happy at all. There's a lot of confusion and anxiety about what the new Texas law banning activities related to diversity, equity, and inclusion will mean for what's taught, on what who's hired, and on how the university um, supports their students. So you remember after the killing of George Floyd, Texas A&M, the university's board of regents, agreed to spend $24.75 million. That's a lot of money to enhance their diversity, equity, and inclusion on the campus. Well, um, several DEI-related programs on campus have either already been shut down or being phased out, and the, um, the university or the diversity office um, closed last Friday, which meant the elimination of a high cabinet-level um, diversity position and the DEI recruitment office. I have the feeling that Texas A&M won't be the last to move away from the DEI fad of just a few short years ago. I.O. Silver! Away! Don't ever do that again. Sorry. What, what do you? What? What's this story about, Alex? I, I mean, why do you think that? Uh, why do you think that they're moving away from this? I I think it's a fad. I mean, it just it just is. You know, when you after it, it specifically happened after George Floyd. I mean, a lot of people are talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's a couple thoughts, and again, this is up my alley. This is what my ministry is about. We're about reconciliation of the races. I am officially in a sim as a God missionary chaplain for racial reconciliation. And so um, we use our life, my wife and I, I'm a black man, she's a white woman. We talk about our experiences, our stories. Diversity is all around us. We want to talk about it. Um, not all diversity is bad and not all diversity talk is bad. However, what's the outcome? What are you looking for? See, that's the difference. I, I do not agree with um, most of these DEI, um, their, their, their agendas, their plan, um, what they're teaching because it's not leading to um, reconciliation. Uh, most of the time it's leading to um, reparations, um, you know, separation and um, white fragility, white guilt. That That's ridiculous. I mean, I, I reject the notion that black people are inherently victims and that white people are inherently oppressors. I reject that. And so the premise was wrong when, when they, first of all, when they came, you know, the, the intended outcome I really believe is to make white people feel bad. Well, I also think it also <clears throat> was supposed to include not just black people, brown people, but also LGBTQ yeah. is supposed to include um, all everybody but white people. See, well, well, the thing is, too, that's the second part of it. Like the um, when you talk about the, the equity and inclusion, uh, you can't lump those things together. I mean, sexual race, preference is not the same as race. It is not. It is absolutely. Not. I mean, let's just it's what it boils down to. Yeah. And then when you, when you try to put those together, cause let's just say you're a, even, even like a minority person that says, yeah, I want to have some conversations about diversity. See, that's where I think we miss it at. We should have conversations about this. I love the conversation that we've been having here a little bit. I mean, you know, about this young lady being shot in Columbus. We even continued in between the break. I mean, in our, in our office here, we, we're okay with those conversations as long as they come respectfully, civilly. And sometimes we just have to agree to disagree. But then when you try to lump in this stuff about sexual preference, you can choose who you want to, you know, have sex with. I'm I'm black. I was born that way. I get, I mean, unless you're Michael Jackson, you can't choose, you know. (laughs) Did you (laughs) just go there? Did you just? Alex. I'm just saying, he's got enough money to do what he wants to do. You know, know, and you didn't specifically say critical race theory, but that's what this is all about as well, right? Do you think that was also a fad? Because we don't hear a lot about it these days. Yeah, I mean, it was because the premise is all wrong. I mean. Most black people, we're not victims. I don't want to be considered a victim. And, and America is becoming extremely um, mixed. I mean, you look at the mixed race, mm-hmm, you know, people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you, I don't want my kids thinking we're a melting pot. Yeah, we really yeah. are. I don't want my kids thinking that half their family is you know inherently racist or white supremacist, and the other half are victims. That's ridiculous. So their premises were flawed from the beginning, and then they tried to to lump in the the sexual preference stuff, and and the minorities are going, wait a minute, what? This isn't what Martin Luther King, you know, the, the churches led those movements. Now they're trying to let you know these these de- the DEI people lead it, and it's going nowhere. Since I know how you feel about this, and since tonight is a kickoff of the it, NFL season, how do you feel about the Rooney Law? Um, there was a time and a place. I mean, you, mm-hmm. when you, even when you look at, for example, like affirmative action, I think there was a time and a place. But I'm, I'm more in line with what Clarence Thomas says. I hope that we get to the point to where we no longer need it. Now, I'm not saying that that's now. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm, I'm open for conversations about things like that. I don't have all the factors in there. The Rooney Law in the NFL, which said, hey, you got to, you know, at least – um, interview some black um, no it's one minority you had one minority yeah. one minority yeah. So, coach yeah yeah so i mean there was a time and place for it i yeah. i don't think much movement's been made in the nfl so that might still be a time and a place for that you know so but conversation um, should be had yeah you know and um but it's all about are we trying to reconcile are we trying to come together um to to be unified to bring unity peace and harmony or are we just trying to push um an agenda see that's the difference between the activists they're going for making you feel bad or guilty so that I can be elevated. Good stuff there, Alex. Uh, 7.35, or I'm sorry, 8.35. We're in the 8 o'clock hour. Holy cow, time is flying. 8.35, they're still with the rising inflation and lower expendable income, a rising need for assistance in food assistance. And we have Christian County, least of these director, Christy Carter, is going to be here with us. Also, coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, get ready. She's officially announced she is ready to lead the United States of America. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. We have a non-injury crash at Grant and Chase in Springfield. Also a fender bender at Highway 160 and AB. And so uh, those are the, the two main ones. There's also a uh, non-injury wreck. It's a genuinely evil human being. Weekdays at 2 on 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, Chris Russell, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Well, first of all, let's, I'm answering your hypothetical, um, but Joe Biden's going to be fine, so that is not going to come to fruition. But let us also understand that every vice president, every vice president, understands that when they take the oath that they must be very clear about the responsibility they may have to take over the job of being president. I am no different. Sorry, I was just like, you're going. Hush up, boy. Hush up, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. So, yeah. Okay, um, step six. Mm. Step six, man, <laughs> of the Democratic pandemic plan we outlined yesterday. And then she comes out with this, dude. We bring this up yesterday that step six is basically that that I don't feel that he'll either be the candidate or Alex thinks he may be out of office by then. I think they, as Dakota Wood indicated as well, he limps along. But either way. Alex, Don, Kamala says, I'm ready. Well, that's comforting to know. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I, we watched this yesterday, and it, it, it's uh, more of a, a video clip, so it's very difficult to, to play some of the audio. But 
As I watched what happened yesterday unfold, several things happened with President Biden in a Medal of Honor ceremony. If you haven't seen this video, I encourage you to go back and look at it. And basically what ends up happening is, first of all, the day before, we find out another step of the, of the pandemic is uh, step two um, to to basically force the election to the Democrats in 2024 is the COVID pandemic and the mask mandates and all that goes with that. So Jill Biden gets COVID. And then now, you know, Joe, Joe Biden, our president um, is supposed to, which by the way, remember it's it's president O Biden. We think not Joe Biden, O Biden ran by the Obama administration. Anyway, basically they come out and say, well, he's tested negative, which is good. Good. Go get your test. Have a good time. Um, test negative, you know, the day before, the night after, all that kind of stuff. And so, but however, when he's around people, he is going to wear a mask and he guarantees he's going to wear a mask. Well, the very first act of presidency that he does is to honor this Medal of Honor uh, recipient from a Vietnam veteran, which, by the way, was a very cool thing. The guy definitely deserved it. Um, he was uh, Army Captain Larry Taylor, he's 81 years old, and uh, they finally got around to giving him the nation's highest military decoration. And so he comes out there, and he doesn't wear a mask. He gets right up next to this gentleman, and, you know, he's doing his thing. But the the, the, the funny story about that is, again, step number six is that who's going to be the candidate, who's running the country right now, is that he puts the he puts the Medal of Honor around his neck. He stands there for a second, which he had a little trouble doing that, which is understandable. It is it is what it is. And then there's a lot that goes to the ceremony. There's going to be a benediction. There's going to be picture opportunities. No, the cat just walks off the stage. Did you guys see this? Yeah. Did you um, watch the video? I did. You know, okay, so here's the deal. I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with that one at all. I mean, he just walked off. Big deal. I think that. Fox News is trying to blow that up to make it a bigger deal than it needs. Why? To be. Why do you think that? I mean, they're going to do a benediction. You can see everybody yeah. around there so is expect- around for the prayer. Everybody around there, you're 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 just big teasing deal. Me. You're no, teasing I'm dead me. serious. I don't think that was a big deal. That reminds me of like when they were when CNN was dissing Trump because he you know had two scoops of ice cream or something. There's some things that are just petty. I, I, there's other things to look at and say that's a bigger deal than that yeah. he that he walked off. Uh, like me. no comment on. Lahaina is a bigger. That's deal. a big deal. Yeah, I, that's a big deal. All right, I'm pushing back on you on this one. So oh, yeah. here, here we go. <laughs> so we're going to honor a Vietnam veteran, which is probably thirty to forty years too late. But for whatever reason, the guy's finally getting his his Medal of Honor, and our President of the United States. Now, let, let me ask you this: You think Donald Trump walks off the stage right then? No, but here's the thing, though, Chris. The man had COVID. They had just publicly announced he had COVID. He doesn't have COVID. Or that his wife was positive and that he's going to try to, you know, um, step back and, and not be in stuff. So Was this indoors or outdoors? Indoors. indoors. Okay, indoors. well, I thought he was going to be masking up while he was indoors. Well, that's that, the wasn't thing. that what the White House See, press secretary said? Yeah, no, she did. But here's the thing. I, I just think we're being petty because I think that it's a no-win situation. Because if he doesn't do anything or try to change the way he's doing stuff and just go about business as usual, Fox News is going to come on and say, He's not considerate. His wife has COVID. You know, I, I think sometimes you're in a lose lose. Oh, so, I agree with that. And so there, the, I, I, I thought he should have stayed there. I do. I think that he, you know, should have, he, whether he should have masked, but at some point in time, we just can't pick apart every little thing and make it a news story. Some things just are. We know the guys, we know they're not making the best decisions. I mean, whatever, whatnot. So that's my take on it because they came out and said, well, listen, we just wanted to limit our time. He wanted to honor him. But we wanted to limit our time, so he left. You know, as soon as he pinned the the thing on there, I'm okay with that. 
Was that like the same excuse that came up about, well, what, two weeks later when he said that what the reason he's been on vacation so much or at his house in the Delaware or in Delaware is because, or yeah, Delaware is because, well, he doesn't have a home to go his to. This year. <laughs> Comes up with that two weeks later. Yeah. Or I that, mean, or that yeah. they come up with two weeks later that, that basically the reason he said no comment twice, twice was because he couldn't hear the question. I said that all along. I knew he couldn't hear the first question when he said that. I mean, but at some point in time, I mean, again, on this situation, I don't have a problem with Joe walking off. He did. He pinned the, the thing on him. He's he's exposed to his wife having COVID, less exposure to an older guy. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Now, now, I'm going to go back to this Kamala thing. Um, She gave a great answer, too. You got to admit that because oh, yeah, she was she asked. Did. She was asked, are you ready? <laughs> And she deferred, hey, Joe Biden's going to be fine. But, There's more to that interview, too. Yeah. yeah. And I saw the thing. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, but it is scary that Kamala. Now, I, I here's the bigger thing, Chris, and I want to go to this. I thought some more about this. Okay. We, Ramaswamy was the first one that I, I heard say this. Joe Biden is a puppet. He is being ruled mm-hmm. by the managerial mm-hmm. class. That's why we say President O'Biden. Yeah. So here's my point. Why does it matter to the left if they have puppet Joe Biden or puppet Kamala Harris. Why would it matter? Dude. So so they're not as afraid of her as I I don't I think that they're okay because you know what? The managerial class is making the decisions anyway. You want somebody who's weak, who you can control there because you know who we've said what there's six, seven, eight people that are actually controlling them. The Easter Bunny's one of them. They're making the decisions. You don't want her. You just want her to go out there. Now, she's going to cackle and do some stupid stuff. Oh, so does the current president. He does. And so did Donald Trump at times. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah, you know, he did. But so who cares if it's puppet, you know, O'Biden <laughs> or puppet Kamala Harris? I mean, I think that's probably how they're thinking. No, I don't disagree with that. And that's going to have to change my pandemic plan now. We're I know, make, it's We're going to have to make some adjustments to this. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Step no, six no, is getting adjusted. No, I don't think so. I don't think you need to adjust it because here's why. I think that she can't win. Like now, if they okay. put now, if he, if they run Biden out there, like if he makes it through and he runs and gets elected, then they can be like after a month, okay, Kamala's in there because we can control her. But she, he can't, she can't win in the general election. And, and I think Newsom probably give it, give it a shot. Okay. So, so let's, let me throw this out there. So if the Democratic pandemic plan wins that the, the 10 step outline of, to get their election back and if Trump is not able to be on the ballot and not necessarily be on the ballot, but does the indictments work? uh, Amendment 14 works, whatever reason he is not the Republican candidate in 2024. And then the pandemic plan worked. You've got, you know, COVID working. You've got the ability to, as Dakota would have indicated, I kind of forgot about that. The month long celebration of voting, right? With the mail-in ballots, all this, this plan is in place and they're scared. The climate change, everything. You've got people worried and now it's Kamala Harris or versus Ron DeSantis or Vivek Ramaswamy or one of those candidates or even Nikki Haley. What do you think then? No, there's Kamala can't win. Okay. Because here's why. Let's just say they're polling kind of even. And I think what last poll I saw had Trump beating Kamala by 4%. So you're okay. going to lose, you're going to lose a percent because, you know, Cass showed her, um, her sexist ways against women by saying she doesn't want women president. There's going to be some women that don't want a woman president. I'm just keeping it real. Hey, Lisa, yeah. Lisa, she doesn't want a woman president. So let's say that's one or two she percent doesn't. of people like that don't want a woman president. And mm-hmm. then, and then, black people, black dudes do not like Kamala. Okay. We remember that she locked up more black people. We don't respect her. So let's say you lose a couple percentage points there. 
you you and then let's say you lose some of the like you know, the con- traditional conservative vote and or the like minority um like let's say the but the minority like muslim vote they're not going to vote for a woman mm-hmm. so you're going to lose some percentages a couple percentages okay. of the time she can't win so so step 6 is still in place which basically is that joe biden is not going to be the candidate um he's he could still be in office or he could step down for health reasons even if kamala harris moves into second place or moves into the president of the united states and if he steps down you still think and i do too you still think that a savior of sorts for the democrat party is going to come rising up from the ashes gavin newsom yeah now it's not going to be robert kennedy jr no no no, no. and you th- still think it's going to be gavin okay newsom. but i'm throwing even a crook in my own plan right, i go. think that it's either going to be newsom's going to try to run or if if Biden doesn't get disqualified for health reasons or legal reasons, they run him out. And if he wins shortly thereafter, they'll say, move over. We're going to put in our puppet Kamala Harris. That's the only wow. way she'll ever be the president. Interesting. So they still have control from behind the scenes because they need because they need. Let's be real. They need a white dude to run. I mean, as much as the left wants to claim we're about diversity, we're about they people trust a white dude. I mean, there's, there's, a, I'm just going to keep it real with you. My black aunts, they live in, they trust a white dude. I mean, that's, we've been, you know, I mean, that's it. And they're not going to, Kamala's not going to get it. So, you know, Biden, if he limps through the finish line, he makes it this term. The only way that he, he can run and the only way that she ever gets in there close is if they, he wins it and then they put her in. Now, I don't think he can beat Trump though. Just my thoughts. Who's the speaker of the house? <laughs> yeah hey he's third he is third he's third, he's third. jeffries he is yeah, third he's third he got a black dude all right uh big thoughts big questions he says alex says it's okay that the president walked away from a medal of honor winner i say it wasn't there's that christy carter with least of the east christian county uh least of these food pantries coming up next wake up springfield 93.3 and AM 560, KWTO News. KWTO News time is 8.30 in Springfield. We do have some sunny skies today. And uh, watch out for that haze from the uh, Canadian wildfires that's going to be trickling into our area. And it could affect some visibility today. Uh, and you'll be able to smell that smoke, too. Otherwise, 87 for a high. We are at 60 degrees. Off to a cool start this morning in Springfield. Well, the city of Bonnet is facing a lawsuit over construction going on at that town's airport. Don, an Illinois-based company, Sierra Bravo Contractors LLC, have filed a nearly $2.5 million lawsuit against the city of Monet. The company alleges that Monet city leaders asked for changes that caused the project to go over budget and not get finished on time. The company is suing the city for the amount of money it claims they owe due to the delay. Brian Houseworth, Zimmer News Network. Governor Parson asking the President of the United States for a federal disaster declaration. The governor requesting that President Biden approve a declaration to provide federal assistance for 33 counties, including Green and Christian counties here in the Springfield metro area, impacted by severe weather in July and August. Storm systems brought tornadoes, powerful winds, heavy rain, and flooding to the state. The federal assistant. That I'm winning by a lot. 93.3 and AM 560. That's why I listen. KWTO. Listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, Chris Russell, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Welcome back to Wake Up Springfield. Got a guest in the studio with us this morning, Christy Carter 
with a Christian County at least of these. And I love it when when she comes in studios and does she's taking selfies. She's letting people know that they can listen online at nine three three kwto dot com. She's mean, got the she, bling nails. She's got What's the up? <laughs> I do, I do. I'm excited for our event coming up on Saturday. Welcome. She she is, and and she's got, in my opinion, one of the most. Alex, you're in the ministry business. You've seen everything when it comes to to need and to people who need help. Christy, along with, you know, she is the director of the Christian County Food Pantry. And you have seen over the years, especially with our economy and the situation that it is now, you have a rising need for more help when it comes to helping serve our residents who need additional food service in Christian County. Absolutely. Um, in June, actually, mm-hmm. of this year, we had record numbers, the highest number of families needing services ever in our 25-year history. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you guys do, what Least of These does. And there are other great food pantries in, in and out of the area. So we want to make sure we're, if, if you're not in Christian County area, find what she's going to share with you, I'm guessing is pretty much kind of across it's the across area the right now. Yes. Okay. So let's talk yes. about, let's talk about what you're seeing and what you're experiencing right now with the, the food pantry. Okay. So we serve Christian County. Mm-hmm. So that's our, our main niche of families that we serve. And, uh, the increase has been over 50% just in the first half of 2023 over 2022. So the needs are rising higher now than they were during the actual COVID closed shutdown. Yes, because the extra benefits have ended. Um, The government benefits have ended for families who were receiving those additional benefits. And now uh, those needs are increasing because we're seeing more dual income families right now than we've ever seen. You know, I, I talked to a family that they had four kids and, and of course that puts a family of six plus the pets. You know, we always forget pet food costs money too, right? right. Everybody wants to have a couple of dogs. Anyway, they say what used to cost them two to three hundred dollars to be able to go to Walmart and get food. Now they're running, running between five to six hundred dollars. Yes. Yes. And, and, and that's something that is people are getting to the point where they, they just can't do that. Right. And they're having to come see you. Right. And so, I mean, Think about the last time you were at the grocery store and you spent a hundred dollars. What did it get you? A lot. Well, no, no. Recently, nothing. No, yes. I, I literally dropped seventy five dollars the other day, and I think I had five items. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So now we're seeing um, a huge increase in families that are needing food assistance who are dual income families. So two incomes, they just can't make it. They can't make ends meet in the month. And there's more month than there is money. And mm-hmm. so those are the families that we're seeing. Here's an interesting statistic that we pulled. So due to the same time pre-COVID 2019, okay, so the first half of the year of 2019 versus the first half of the year in 2023, we've seen a 74% increase in families that are seeking services from wow. us. That's yeah. a big number. Yeah. Yes, I, it's huge. It, it is. And you think about this too. I mean, you know, I used to, when I lived in St. Louis, I ran the St. Louis Dream Center. Mm-hmm. We, we gave out about 70,000 meals a month and mm-hmm. just seeing the need there in the inner city. This is food costs and, um, it's, it's all over. It's universal city, right. suburbs, right. you know, mm-hmm. country rule. And a lot of people have food insecurity. And to get to the point to where your numbers are those people that are willing to humble themselves and say, I need help. Right. How many people aren't willing to? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. 
So one of the things that I've learned about working with Christy over the years through, you know, through the Nixa Chamber, through our community is that, you know, I, and I did. When my dad passed, we brought over a whole bunch of food that he had mm-hmm. stored. It was all good, and that was great. And you took it, of course. You were glad to get all that canned food. The ones that, the stuff that you could take. So my dad had some stuff in there. It had been around there for a while, Alex. It was kind of <laughs> bulging in a couple spots. It happens. Oh, it happens. So, but it does happen. However, money goes a lot farther and that's why you have a, a fundraiser coming up uh, called a Night of the Pantry. Yes. So Saturday night is our annual fundraising event, and uh, it's called Night at the Pantry, and we are shining a silver light, um, since it's our 25th anniversary, a silver light on food insecurity wow. in Christian County. So it's a party in the parking lot type atmosphere. Uh, it's casual. Tickets are still available on our website at leastoftheseFoodPantry.org. Tickets are fifty dollars a person, so we try to keep it very um, affordable. So, hundred bucks for a couple. Hundred bucks for a couple to come out for a fun Saturday night, mm-hmm. and that includes dinner, that includes mm-hmm. desserts, and uh, all the beer and wine you want. So, wow. and you're going to do this at your actual food pantry over there. It's kind of over by Lambert's, across the road from Lamb. Oh, I hit my mic. Yes, uh, near James River Church. Yes, so, so it's, it's we right are. Up, yeah. Between Lambert's and James River Church, right. yes. I want to ask you this. You said you 20, 25 years? Yes. Yeah, that's, well, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Tell us how it started. Well, we started in a basement of a church, and actually our first month we served seven families, and by the end of the first year we served 100 families. Right now we're serving 1,400 families a month. Wow. That's amazing. Yes. And, and explain to our listeners that why food is great, by all means, bring it, but why uh, dollars go further for, for helping you get more food? Well, we, uh, because of our buying power and the, and the partnerships that we have, we're able to yeah. purchase $10 worth of food for every dollar that's donated. So if you could donate $10, you're, we're able to buy $100 worth of food for that. Well, that's really So good. yes. And it's partnerships, like, yeah. you know, when, you know, again, I, I go back to my time in St. Louis and we had partnerships, community partnerships, people that will help. And, and so a lot of times if you want to do something, you know, you can give money because you can leverage that and you right. guys can purchase it. You can go. And so, um, we, we have to support those that can. And, and, and I'll say this, every little bit helps. Maybe you can give 10 oh, bucks, 25 absolutely. bucks. You know, absolutely. Be a huge, you know, number. Just well, I was going to talk about that. If I can't be there Saturday night, um, I've got plans already or whatever that looks like. And they're interested in supporting Christian County, least of these. What else can they do? I know that coming up on October the 20th is the Ozark Knicks of football game. We do an annual thing called Can the Tigers or Can the Eagles, which would take a high school rivalry football game and turn it into something good. If you're just out there and thinking, well, I'm not going to go to the football game. I don't have any kids in school, but man, this tugs at my heart. How can they help? They can go to our website and make a donation at least of these foodpantry.org. And there are tons of areas on our website that you can make a donation. If you go to the ticket page and say you don't want to attend the event, you can just make a donation at the, on the ticket page as well. And it will go directly toward our event. Our goal for the evening is $200,000 to raise $200,000. Well, it's a big number, but it's a needed number. I love it. So for us to purchase only a Thanksgiving meal and only a Christmas meal. So we're going to only purchase those two meals. That doesn't include any other food that families are going to receive in the months of November and December. Our estimated costs are $107,000 for those two meals alone. Wow. Wow. Just so a family can celebrate Thanksgiving or Christmas. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> with with food. Yes, with food. <laughs> not with Absolutely. not with gifts. Not that's a whole nother charity. We're talking about just putting something on the plate so their families can have a good mm-hmm. meal on Christmas. Yes. So that's why our goal is so high is because the need is so high. So any mm-hmm. help would be great. We would love for you to attend the event. Um so okay. again. It's tickets. coming up this Saturday, September the 9th. It's going to be the third annual Night at the Pantry. It's a benefit for the Christian County Least of These. It's a great date night. It's 50 bucks a ticket. Uh, it includes all your food, your fun, your laughter. I think she said it does include alcohol, so there you mm-hmm. go. They're celebrating 25 years of feeding people and changing lives. Christy, you can always come into our, our, our studio and give us an update on what's going on. And by all means, maybe we need to talk. Have you, have you come back in when we get closer to Can the Tigers, Can the Eagles? Absolutely. Do that? Yeah, I would love that. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Down. All right, we're going to wrap up the morning's final big stories with the morning dump right after the final traffic update with Don Luzader. KWTL Traffic Center. Non-injury crash, Highway 160 and AB is still working. That uh, took place uh, right before 8 o'clock this morning, so it's been going for about an hour now. The new 93.3 and AM 560, the legendary KWTL. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, Chris Russell, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Time for The Morning Dump. I just did that. I literally just did that right down the hall and came back into the studio. Did Chris just give his first? No. I don't think so. Man, yeah. I just got to tell you, before we get into some of these stories, man, this is a great show today. I mean, if you've missed it, I you've missed some great segments. Dakota Wood was outstanding. We had uh, Larry Woods here with the Greene County Emergency Management Office. We had uh, just a lot of just a lot of great conversation. Man, your guy that came in with uh, Kenny. Kevin um, Weaver. Yeah, with, Kevin um, Weaver, uh, yeah. The um, Warriors Journey, yeah, good stuff. They got a, um, their grand opening yeah. tomorrow at 11 o'clock, 30, yeah. 3555 North Glenstone. Go Dude, I'm it. going. I'm going to go over there. Yeah, yeah a couple of us guys. In the st- but anyway, just a Christy great Carter, story. Yeah. of these. She just left us. But uh, I like it when we have the community involved because, I mean, I, you know, when I listen to the show, and I've been a fan of this show now. I've been listening for about a year and a half now. And I like it when, you know, I, I, there's people in our community that I didn't know, that I wanted to know more about, that I've learned more about. I like that. Yeah. Plus, we had some very deep topics today. We talked about uh, this thing going on in Youngstown, Ohio, which is which, which is big. And then we obviously talked a little bit about finally some good re- you know news coming out of California about the COVID nineteen mask update. So you can always go back online to nine three three kwto dot com, our website. Uh, you'll see various podcasts, 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 yeah, podcasts, podcasts. podcasts. <laughs> uh, up online there we can go back and listen to the shows and then of course uh follow us on our facebook page wake up springfield and so yeah just great show today guys but we do have some final thoughts what do you got here for us uh alex bryant so hey you, if you this is a story that's going back really to 2015 the coach who got um fired for praying on the field you guys remember that i remember like, that literally, yeah like six seven years ago well he um the supreme court ruled that he could um pray on you know or that he could have his job back because he you know, they, he got fired. He went through about seven years, got his job back. Well, he ended up getting his job back, assistant coach, coach for one game, and then he quit. <laughs> he quit. So he's saying that you know, there's retaliation happening and he just didn't want to have to deal with that. Are you so, serious? Wow. Yeah, coach for one game. And he wow. said, deuces, see ya. Not going to do it. So he's in Washington state. I guess he moved to Florida and you know, who knows? It was going to be a hardship. He says he wants to be an advocate for other coaches that want to pray and just kind of advance the cause and the movement. So 
Yeah. You guys want to know something I'm kind of a sucker for is a good auction. I actually do like going a little garage selling occasionally, hitting a few auctions, especially on the weekends, especially if it's a cool man auction. You know, it's like a like cool man. I heard your there. auctioneer voice a couple of days ago. It was not that bad. <laughs> I, I actually taught myself to be an auctioneer years ago. You know how I did it? I started out listening to the auctioneer song by Leroy Van Dyke. Oh, I would yeah. listen to it over and never over heard. and over, and he never. Of course, trust me, it's it's a white man song. Yeah, sure. It's good though; it's really good. Anyway, uh, the state of Missouri. Here's here's what's going on with this. Uh, there's an attempt after an attempt to return items to their owners to just come up short. Missouri has when they when this happens, they'll have an unclaimed property auction, and uh, our state treasurer Vivek Malik is saying, "Come on down." Using a Bob Barker line, he's actually going to have it in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, like way the heck down there, right? That's like five and a half, six hours to get to Cape Girardeau, so it's way down there for some reason. Instead of you know somewhere like in the middle of the state, you know that would be easy for most Missouri residents to get to. Does that make sense to anybody? But anyway. I checked it out. It's coming up on September the 27th and 28th. I went to the Missouri Treasurer's website. I looked at the list, and I got to be honest with you, there's some cool stuff in there. Um, so if you're a bargain hunter, you like coins, old coins. They got a lot of silver, uh, silver certificates. I saw sports cards, yeah. trading cards. I know you like baseball cards. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. They've got Morgan Dollars. They've got a lot of things that they've tried to give back. Uh, we've got 1880s coins. So this is... This is going to be very well attended. You're just going to have to drive a long way to it. Again, if you want to go look at, gosh, you got capped bust, walking Liberty coins. There's, there's a lot of Franklin, Franklin silver, a lot of Kennedy silver. So there's a lot of things you want. And plus a lot of other miscellaneous stuff. So just visit the Missouri treasurer site and get a complete list. But again, that's coming up at the, um, the end of the month on September the 27th and 28th in Cape Girardeau. Good stuff. Yep. What, else, right. what else you got? Imagine a time when dinosaurs walked the earth. These creatures roamed all seven continents by land, sea, and air for millions of years. Well, the Discovery Center of Springfield is getting ready to open the largest gallery expansion that it's had in over 15 years. It's called Jurassic Discovery. Ooh. And it's all about, yep, you guessed it, dinosaurs. <laughs> Uh, it's called Jurassic Discovery Unearthed by Central Bank and Central Trust on Saturday, September 16th, starting at 10 a.m. It's a new exhibit that, again, is the largest expansion to the Discovery Center since the building had its expansion in 2006. Any child wearing a dinosaur shirt will receive free admission. Any group with one member dressed in a dinosaur costume will receive free admission for the whole group for up to four guests. So, All I got to uh, do is just like a cost or a dinosaur yeah, I get in free? But you have to be a kid, too. Oh. You, don't, you can't be an adult dressing like a I got you. dinosaur. Right. So anyway, but uh, obviously they do great work for kids here in southwest Missouri. So that's uh, coming up at the Discovery Center in Springfield. So t- I got another one, people. Uh-oh. I got a question for you guys first. Do you guys know what the largest company in the world is? Anybody know? Anybody? Bueller? No. Well, you're making me Bueller. think. I mean, I just can't. Bueller. Um, I'm going to go with um, largest company. In the world. I'll just Walmart. Nope. Okay. Anybody? It's Apple. 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 $2.9 trillion. Okay. With a T. You meant value. Yeah. Okay. All right. Largest value, yeah. I'm going to guess Walmart has more employees. So I was. No probably. Yeah. 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 You, you went assessed value. Assessed value. So All Apple right. has 2.9 there were 2.9 trillion. I did not know that. Well, you know, they've taken over. It's so cool. Like, if you've read the book by um, Steve Jobs um, about how he's just invented, like, think about all the things he invented or like the different um, industries that he, you know, opened up, like the way they did iTunes, which iTunes is pretty much 
going away. It's Apple Music. Now they're going to subscription only. Um, the iPad, the iPhone, um, Pixar. I mean, they talk about that. Like, did you know that he took the technology? He mm-hmm. got that and, I didn't know that. And, and started Pixar. I mean, yep. this guy's a genius. Well, um, you know, so they are still looking for ways. They haven't done much since Jobs. You know, the new guy, Cook, hasn't. But well, They just come up with those new 3D glass or those virtual reality glasses. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so they did. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. But, Sorry. So um, they're always continuing to look and to move. They've done in the books and all that stuff. But um, they are venturing in new areas and they are teasing it like crazy. They're looking at subscription based the Apple Music. They're trying to push people to go there real hard to really run out of Spotify and all those guys. So. All right. Cass says we need to talk to somebody here. Who do we got? We have a very special guest who wants to issue a public apology. All right. Oh, All right. I think I know who it is. Mr. Elmquist oh. joins us. <laughs> hey, Kirk. Man, how rude am I? I'm deeply sorry, man. I just totally blanked up on this. The Chiefs uh, red flag thing in Branson yesterday and had a lot of calls this morning. I, 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 I'm very sorry. Kirk, oh, don't worry about it. Kirk, it's fine. It does happen. Kirk, you're making me look bad. I'm telling Uh-oh. these guys here. I'm like, Alex, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's okay to make Chris look bad, but I never want to make you look bad. Oh, oh, and man. he doesn't want to make me look bad either. Uh, oh, man. Well, you know, I love you, brother. I'm messing with you. I, yeah, I, I know. Man, I, I would... Uh, Happy to come in and bring donuts or steak on our, on our next visit if you'll have me. There you go. Well, we do want to learn more about that. And, of course, you know me, I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit more about this regionalism idea, too. So let's get cast to get you back on the air, whether it's tomorrow or next week. And, and let's talk about how these partnerships help do drive a lot more regional activity to 417 area. Yeah, t- tomorrow morning I'll, I'll make time. Uh, if Cass or Alex or Chris, you want to text me, I'm, I'm all in. I apologize. All right. I, I hope you have a wonderful day and hope the Chiefs win tonight. We can talk more about some fun things going on in the Ozarks. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Thanks, Kirk. Thanks, Kirk. Sorry, man. All right, Pastor Alex, give some final words of encouragement, sir. Hey, you know, Mom, I just want to encourage us. We've been talking a little bit about this whole um, reconciliation or the race issue, diversity versus reconciliation. There's a difference. I mean, I would just encourage us all to when we're looking at people or situations that don't look like us that are you know different races ethnicities um genders whatever it is um let's look at ways that we can reconcile with people um ways that we can come together in peace unity harmony we don't have to look at people as the enemy or those people are there but how can we all as americans as humans um come together and spread love what's our common denominator and i think if we're going with the goal of reconciliation um, that's going to be something that can that push us closer together. So keep that in mind. Very well said. Don't forget to join us tomorrow. We're going to have another great lineup. As you heard, we're going to squeeze in Kirk Elmquist talking about the partnership between Branson and the Kansas City Chiefs, plus some other great guests. And you know what? We probably at some point need to make some final picks for the football weekend, opening weekend between me, Don, and Alex. Gary Nolan is next right here on KWTO. The new KWTO with Wake Up Springfield. Continue to strengthen our economy, like, uh, let's see, maybe renew our oil and energy independence. I really think that China has a lot of problems buried in their economy right now. Their growth has not been what it is. Their debt is tremendous in terms of their internal capital expenses that they've made, building these huge, vast cities that are uninhabited.